Happy New Year! Yeah. It's f***ing October! <laughs> Welcome to the Arms Race, the podcast where we attempt to determine which action star has the highest body count in movie history. Currently, they're watching every Sylvester Stallone movie. I'm Mike Olson. And I'm Kevin Keenan. and today we're discussing Tango and Cash, released by Warner Brothers on December 22nd, 1989, starring Sylvester Stallone, Kurt Russell, Jack Palance, Terry Hatcher, Michael J. Pollard, Brian James, James Hong, and Robert Zadar. Written by Randy Feldman and directed by Andrei Koncholovsky, wow. more or less. Well done. More or less, I pronounced that right, and this movie was directed by him, more or less. <laughs> because yes. uh, there's all kinds of trouble in the production that I'm sure we can get yeah, into. Yeah, get into. Uh, the thing is, is that I don't think you pronounced the title the right way. It's Tango and Cash. Right. Cash and Tango. Cash and tango. tango. Get ready for the Jack Palance impressions. <laughs> it's, it's required, isn't I know. it? Oh, you know, we don't play a lot of clips in the arms in race general, yeah. in general, but I think we probably should watch that one <laughs> scene where he's got the rats and man, Jack Palance. chewing it up. In a way that he's, he's in a totally different movie. <laughs> yes. He's on a totally different planet. Absolutely. Jack Palance. I mean, he's always like that. You know? No, he is. I mean, honestly, other than having the names in there, if you take that, you could put his entire performance into the 1989 Batman. Because it's, it's effectively the same thing. Yeah, every performance is Jack, like that. Remember, <laughs> right. you are my number one guy. <laughs> and Nicholson makes, <laughs> makes fun of it later in the movie. Yes. That's my favorite part is Nicholson. Nicholson's Absolutely. doing his Jack Palance yeah, his Jack Palance is amazing. Yeah. In, in both cases, there isn't enough Jack Palance. No. And I think it's in part, I get the sense that Jack Palance is kind of off his rocker and is people he? didn't like yeah. working with him much. I mean, famously, when he won his Oscar... For which movie? I think it was for City Slickers, of all things, he won his Oscar for. <laughs> I uh, think you're right. Um, and he just went up there and like didn't even give much of a speech and just like did one-arm push-ups at like age 80 to, sh- to show, like, I'm a tough guy, watch this. And just did... Mandelbaum. Yeah. Mandelbaum. That's exactly right. <laughs> right? It's yes. like Lloyd Bridges and Seinfeld. <laughs> you think you're the number one dad? <laughs> anyway, uh, he's great in World's this. World's <laughs> greatest dad. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, Jack Palance is amazing. I wish there was more of him in this movie. He only really has three scenes, basically. Least, but Maybe four. Is it fair to say that you're right, he is an entire, entirely different planet is probably right, but is it fair to say he steals all of the scenes that he's in? Yeah, I mean, he only has one scene with Stallone and uh, yeah. Kurt Russell, so... Uh, and he barely even talks to them. He's talking to them. They're not listening to anything he's no, saying, no. <laughs> which I find funny. No. Um, but yeah, of course, every scene. You can barely hear, actually, what he's saying, too. You're you right. have to really almost turn on the subtitles. Yeah, you're right. So, yeah, Jack Palance only shares the screen with his two henchmen there and his uh, cockney bodyguard or whatever. Oh, but, I cannot <laughs> wait to talk about that. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I have a lot to say about that, too. I've, I have questions about that guy. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, obviously, every scene that features Jack Palance, Jack Palance is the focus of the scene where he's just pontificating. Cash and Tango, Tango and Cash, they're both affecting my business. We got to do something about it. <laughs> and then, like, why don't we just kill? No, you can't kill them. No. Make them martyrs. Yes. Can't make them martyrs. It's a game. <laughs> it's right at the game. And then he's got his little mouse box. We're just going to talk about Jack Palance for two hours, I think. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, I mean, we're, we're stealing some of the best stuff. Just <laughs> explain know. to me right now, before we even do this, we might not need to do the rest of the episode. Where can you order 
as part of your bar. You're, you're building out like a nice bar that you can mm-hmm. turn it into a mouse or rat maze. Well, that's obviously a custom <laughs> bar. He, he hired contractors specifically. Come in and do that. Yeah, design me a maze, and I'll have a glass top. It's so stupid. And I'm sanitary, too. Like, who wants to drink over that bar? There's some rats running around in this bar, like, on purpose. Yes. You know, like, that's a health violation like, when exactly. it's not intentional. You, when it's unintentional, you get shut down. He's, I mean, that's how much of a criminal he is. I didn't think about that's it. That's true. He just flaunts it. He's like, no, you know what? Come and try and shut me down. Health board, they're a thorn in my side. <laughs> you know? It's a game with them. <laughs> But, All right, know, so we, we probably should focus a little more on Stallone, right, than this, to make this an entire episode about someone who has four scenes. Yeah, the, the, the movie's called Tango and Cash and not whatever Jack Palance is his character. Per- Perrette, I think was yeah, his name. Yeah, that sounds is. right, yeah. Perrette. I think Yves. I think somehow he's like French, which Jack Palance is not. <laughs> no, not at all. I didn't know he was supposed to be French. That's oh, yeah, amazing. Look, well, I don't know if he's supposed to be French, maybe French, but oh, it's I, a French I, name. I, yeah, like, exactly. Okay, I thought maybe I missed something that they said he was French. I probably just mispronounced that, but it's, you know, Yves Saint, uh, Saint-Laurent. Y V E S, and then his last name is Perret or Perret oh, okay. in, in this. So, I, so I mean, a French heritage, that, prob- that's what, yeah, probably not French. Maybe not, but that's what I assume. But do you see that in Jack Palance? No, <laughs> no. I don't know what his uh, actual background is. I don't but, either, uh, but yeah, I'd believe I'd believe it more or less. All right, so we're back actually doing Stallone movies, and this is actually an action movie too. So this is, I think, this was my pick. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm glad to at least be back on track. You were spot on, other than it, you didn't remember Terry Hatcher. I had forgotten. I, I, when you mentioned the drums, I'm like, I think he might <laughs> yeah. be right. And who did you get? It was, I uh, said Courtney, Courtney Cox. Cox. That's I was, who it was. Yes. I mean, that was close enough. Yeah, it's close enough. Similar actresses, Courtney yeah. Cox and Terry Hatcher. I think I'd take Terry Hatcher over Courtney Cox. I think that's an upgrade. Yeah, uh, Courtney Cox certainly had the better TV career, although uh, Adventures of Lois and Clark was a, was a pretty good show. Yeah, it was a big show. Yeah. But you were spot on with those drums. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> I thought so. As the movie's going on, I'm like, uh, Terry Hatcher could be. And then when, when uh, Russell's going into that club, I'm like, oh, man, I think he was <laughs> yeah. spot on. He as just, soon as you see that stage, yes, like, yeah, okay. My memories are starting it. to come back. <laughs> <laughs> she can't drum at all. We should, we should probably save this conversation because it's going right. to be a whole – that whole scene, we're going to have to have a long talk about right. that scene. So the, the, the point is, though, we're back, and this, this is truly an action movie. I mean, there's some weird stuff in it, but it is an action movie. Yeah, I noticed you kind of making an ambiguous, ambivalent sort of an expression, which I, I think I'm with you on that. I don't know. No. Maybe I'm misreading you. No, I don't – I mean, look, uh, I, don't, I don't think this is a good movie. There's some parts that I like, and I, I don't know about you. I actually like Kurt Russell in this probably more than anybody else. I don't know if I agree with that. I oh, think interesting. I, I am not too fond of what Kurt Russell's doing. But okay. uh, in general, just in terms of the tone of this movie, I'm going to make a very strange analogy. Mm, this will be good. Do you remember the breakfast cereal from the 90s called Oops All Marshmallows? Captain mm. Crunch's Oops All Berries. No. <laughs> okay. It sounds awesome, though. Uh, it was awesome. Mm. Especially, I'm just a little sidebar. I have a 10 and 8 year old at home. My 10 and 8 year old, and then my 10 year old's best friend, one morning, apparently my wife let him have the lucky charms that I keep around and didn't happen to notice the next time I went in, <laughs> almost every marshmallow was gone. Well, yes. they, they created their own oops they, on marshmallows. <laughs> it was the exact opposite. Yes. <laughs> I went, I'm like, come on, there's like no marshmallows left. Well, and all I could think of was Lisa, ew, Bart, don't put the non-marshmallow pieces back in the box. Put them in the garbage where they belong. Right. I mean, that's basically... <laughs> I, I, see, I thought it was a Lucky Charms 
offshoot, but maybe it wasn't, because if you're a Lucky Charms eater, you probably would have heard Oops on Marshmallows. Calvin Crunch's Oops on Berries! Uh, some cereal from the yeah. 80s and 90s was a marshmallow, you know, it was like you had the cereal and then mixed in with the marshmallows for flavor, and then one of them just decided, why don't we just put out a version that's all marshmallows, <laughs> and we'll pretend in the commercial that, oops. oops, it was a mistake, the factory went crazy, <laughs> oops all marshmallows. That Willy Wonka factory. And it was just, speaking of like health codes and things, it was just a way to sneak a box of marshmallows into the cereal, you know? <laughs> But, you know, as a kid... Well played, but, General Mills. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it was a pretty good scheme they had. What do you have to say for yourself? Oops. Here's my point. As an eight-year-old kid who eats cereal, you'd see that and you'd go, Oh my God, that's the most exciting thing. My favorite part of the cereal, and it's nothing but that. You and I, our previous podcast was called Bad Puns and Machine Guns. Obviously, we love jokes and that's like true. one-liners and puns in action movies. So you watch Tango and Cash, and it's like, yay, this is nothing but that. And then you, it, it shovels all these gags and quips and jokes, and after two spoonfuls, you're sick to your stomach. And that's Oops All Marshmallows. This is the Oops All Marshmallows of, of action movies. That is a really good analogy, because um, you're spot on that it has the elements of something that I should really like. Mm-hmm. And there are moments that I do, but it, it just doesn't flow and work very well. You need the cereal in there. You need yeah. to use the marshmallows judiciously. You don't just fill a box of marshmallows and call it cereal. This is barely a movie and, is the problem. And if cereal tells us anything, Lucky Charms is still on the shelves all these years later. Oops. I mean, I, maybe it's still on the shelves. I haven't no, seen it. I don't, I don't think Oops is anywhere on, on shelves. Oops on marshmallows. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I don't know for a fact. But anyway, right. that, that's sort of encapsulates how, how I feel about it. It's just too it, much. That, it's a good, good analogy. Um, but I... Overall, I still think that this is a good way to start the season because I think this is more in line. This is this is what you know the, our podcast is supposed to be about to to open up with uh, you know one of Stallone's I don't know more serious movies or one of his weirder things. I don't know this. I, I feel good that I made the selection, even though I don't think it's that good of a movie. I agree. I enjoyed watching it, but at the same time, it was really tough to take notes because it's just yeah. like there's no substance here. No. You often the phrase that I've heard you say that uh, I'd never heard before the water sandwich, <laughs> and th- that's very much this movie. It's just like I mean, I guess there's stuff to talk about. I'm sure we'll have stuff to talk about, but in terms of you know just any kind of having any kind of opinion about things, no, it's like none of these things matter. They're just an excuse to you know it's just a quip gun pointed at the audience's face. It doesn't matter what's happening. It doesn't matter what Tango and Cash are doing. Doesn't matter whether they're in life and death situations. It's just like <laughs> face waggling, eyebrow raising quips. <laughs> you know, they're about to be killed. <laughs> just the whole movie has hey, that tone. It's got to be a buddy comedy, so it's got to be quips all the time, right? Sure, but even you think about Lethal Weapon has some oh, really dark oh, stuff. Oh, absolutely, especially as that series progresses, it gets closer to Tango and Cash than it does. Um, you know, the original Lethal Weapon or like Die Hard. It yes. doesn't have the weight. That's but true. But no, the first Lethal Weapon, absolutely. It has those buddy comedy elements, but it it's a pretty heavy movie for the most part. And even the later Lethal Weapons, as they got more silly, they still took their police plot seriously. seriously. Right. You know, whether it's the diplomatic immunity guy, or I don't remember what the villain is in three, but Jet Li in four was still scary and still like yes. a legit villain. No, yeah. it, even if our heroes are quipping amongst themselves, like yeah. if if they're like in a life and death situation, Riggs and Murtaugh aren't aren't making dick <laughs> well, jokes at each other. You no, know, what I mean? the only in Lethal Weapon Two when he's on the toilet. I mean, they're, they're sure, but that's like gallows humor, like trying to th- th- ease the tension. I guess you're right. It doesn't come off as gallows humor here. It's like they're they're in a prison. <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll go through the plot, but it's like you know when they, when they go into that prison, it's like 
they were put in general population. They will definitely be killed if somebody doesn't intervene. And they're just like, whoa, ticker, well, t- ticker tape parade or whatever he says. I don't <laughs> remember the stupid jokes they're making. Oh, shit about marshmallows. Speaking That's, of marshmallows, he yes. says, there's fires burning. I should have brought some I marshmallows. Wanted to, I'd love to talk about that. I mean, no matter how bad a prison is, that has to be the worst prison ever. Then. It seems awful. They're, they're in the most danger anybody has ever been in, and neither of them are the least bit frightened. And I guess they're it's not just, concerned in the least. It's supposed to show how unflappable they both are. That's but another problem is they're both so similar, but I'm sure we'll get into that. Yeah. All right. So let's dive in. All right, let's uh, talk about what was happening in 1989. This is the last of the 80s action movies. What day is it? What year? Well, as you noted, it is December 22nd, 1989. So Tango and Cash had a $55 million budget, and it only grossed just over $63 million. So it was not a commercial success by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, it's weird how it seems like among some people this is a beloved movie. Really? But... Only small pockets. Like, yeah, I think some people really have fun memories, but yeah, not a lot of people. No, and this isn't, I definitely saw this one on VHS. I think uh, we've discussed it briefly, renting it, I'm sure, at Farmore back in the day. Uh, And again, this is one that I saw once. I don't think I ever saw it again until this podcast, but somehow the I did, I wouldn't have remembered the the drum thing on my own, but you're mentioning it did bring it back. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so that I think that's for me is kind of what it was is is a forgettable movie from the late eighties, and it did not open at the number one in uh, the box office in the United States. Not necessarily surprising. It is Christmas time, and Christmas Vacation was the number one movie in the box office oh, okay. that uh, that week, and that was its second week for Christmas Vacation. So that makes sense. I mean, it's a built-in audience holiday right around Christmas. That probably had some good word of mouth, because obviously I, now it's considered a classic. Yeah, I th- probably so. You know, kind of rounding out the rest. Some I, I was surprised. Back to the Future Part 2 is still hanging around in its fourth week. Wow, that got released that late in the year. Yeah, and uh, so it was number four overall. War of the Roses with, uh, what was it, Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner and Danny DeVito, sure. I think. Never seen it. No, me either. And then most of the rest, other than The Little Mermaid, which... I don't know. It seemed to me like all Disney movies came out in the summer. I I didn't expect to see The Little Mermaid. Uh, that was like a weird, like that was the first animated Disney movie in a long time. Because like they, they had a real like downturn in the 80s. Gotcha. Cause like what, what was the one prior to that? It was like The Black Cauldron, like 84 or something. Yeah, you there was a right. long gap where they were like in financial trouble and had to like retool everything or whatever, yeah, whatever it was. Disney's quite the powerhouse today, but it wasn't necessarily always like that. Yeah. And all, all I can th- ever think of with The Little Mermaid is actually The Simpsons and uh, its take of, <laughs> oh, right. that's your answer to everything, Homer. We can't hide under the sea. <laughs> Not with that attitude, Marge. <laughs> and so I, th- this time around, starting a new season, I thought I'd try something a little bit different. I wanted to take a look at the entire year of 1989 and uh, what was... In the same category, but not necessarily action, I did, you could find in Box Office Mojo, you could find R-rated or PG-13 or PG. So I thought that would be a fair way to see, all right, what did 1989 look like and where did Tango and Cash fall within? Okay. So within R-rated movies, which Tango and Cash was, it was the fifth most, uh, our highest box office film that year. Lethal Weapon 2, ironically enough, discussing that, is in 1989, and that was the number one R-rated movie uh, 147 million dollars. Wow. Lethal Weapon Two did so that that was that was big time. I would have guessed that was a year or two earlier. I would I wouldn't have thought 89 was Lethal Weapon Two. I was surprised as well. That seems earlier, but okay. When Harry Met Sally was actually the second highest grossing. Uh, I guess that million. would be an R-rated movie. I guess there's there's some pretty ribald stuff in there. That I wouldn't have. There is, but when you really, th- I don't know. When I thought about it, by today's standards, I think it still would be rated R, but. It doesn't feel like it should be. I'll have what she's having seen probably alone gets them that. Probably. 
And today, that's probably the one of the most famous scenes from that movie, yeah. right? That's the only scene I know because I've never seen it. But I mean, just just knowing its reputation, I wouldn't have thought it was an already movie. But then, of course, yeah, that scene exactly. Uh, rounding out the top five, then uh, Born on the Fourth of July with uh, Tom Cruise was the fourth uh, highest rated. Okay, I did through the top ten, but uh, the only one that, uh, noteworthy is just because one that I love, number nine. Major League, just under $50 million in an R rating for Major League. Wow, that's not a lot. I would have thought it did better. No, but it's sort of the same thing, right? Of, I mean, it is a beloved movie now, with, without a At least for me, it's one of the greatest sports comedies of all time. Yeah, I don't know how beloved it is. I don't know how aware younger people are of Major League. And that, certainly outside of the U.S., I don't think it's known. That could be, but at least for me, it, it will always remain one of the, the great sports comedies of all time. Oh, I love Major, Major League. I'm with you. All right, uh, on the TV side, actually tied at number one in 1989-90 TV ratings. Uh, two people today, and this is a good example of when I try and teach my kids, is that sometimes when you're in the history books, enough time goes by, things, okay. things change. Yeah. So you, have you don't the, even have to say. <laughs> well, no, but it's on both, actually. Oh, uh, what's the, the other one? So it's The Cosby Show and yeah. Roseanne are oh, actually Roseanne. tied at number one. So it's amazing, right, that enough time goes by. Sometimes you've got to be careful of what you print in history books. <laughs> I've been watching The, the Connors, The Return, because as, as really? of this recording, it's, it just came back. Interesting. Mostly out of curiosity, and it's funny how the first episode, like the way they handled Roseanne being uh, fired from the show, they handle it kind of interestingly, but then the second episode back, just it's as if she never existed. <laughs> it's not like they're still dealing with... Uh, Can I ask you this? Did they say that she died on her way back to her home planet? Yeah, that's, that's not too far off from what they said. <laughs> she died off screen. I don't mind spoiling that. I mean, that's... I, if it's not like Poochie, then it's just not authentic. <laughs> it's not too far off from that. No, it's, it is... I just thought it was... I thought it was, it was going to be like this whole season is going to be them dealing with the death of... The, the family matriarch just like, rip off the band-aid yeah they're just getting on with their lives the second episode is about like Dan having trouble at work it's like <laughs> didn't your wife die like two weeks ago <laughs> what's funny is that that episode synopsis you could right now have been in the writer's room for Roseanne back in 1989 alright uh, Dan's having trouble at work go <laughs> To be fair, both the Kazi Show and Roseanne were excellent shows back then. They were, they were. I don't. But yeah, and it, and it's un, it's unfortunate, especially uh, that's. It's good that you bring that up. I mean, there's a lot of people that work on a show, right? Yeah, we've had this conversation on the podcast, yeah, before. and it's just uh, it's unfair to them. Um, Cheers is number three, and a different world, which is not one that I I remember it, but I I didn't I didn't really watch that. I watched it now and then. It was it was fine. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad. It was just fine. And uh, number five, America's Funniest Home Videos. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. It doesn't really. I never thought that that was that watched of a show. Oh, it was. I'm surprised it's not number one, to be honest with you. Come it on. It was very, very popular. All right. Bob Saget making funny voices as dogs fall down? Come on. Who doesn't want to watch that? Is, were, were those the years that would have had the, what was it, the jackalope? No, that was America's Funniest People, which is not as... <laughs> That was, uh, that was Dave, another show? That was Dave Coulier. The difference was America's Funniest Home Why Videos. Why did Uncle Jesse ever get a show? <laughs> no, I swear, yeah. It was, <laughs> he got left out. <laughs> but um, no, the, the I, my memory was America's Funniest Home Videos, which, by the way, was still on the air as of like six years ago. It well, it's went on, on. It's on now. Oh, is it still on? Okay. America's, actually, my wife and son love it. So <laughs> with it In the YouTube era, I don't know why that still has an audience, but I apparently. Don't, I don't know why it ever did, frankly, but it absolutely still does. They're curating the best funny videos. <laughs> Okay. Um, that's that's the service they provide, but um, 
Yeah, if America's Funniest Home Videos was always, it had to be like accidental. Like if you tried to stage something, like you know, if it looked like it was fake, yeah. they wouldn't use it. It had to be like accidental. Gotcha, oh, grandma fun- fell down. Whatever. Funniest people you could do whatever you want. Funniest people you could do. Whatever you, it, it was, was like, jackass. Basically. You sent in your no. It wasn't. It wasn't so much physical. It was more like I could do funny impressions. I'm sending in a tape of myself doing it, and gotcha. then so they what, pick the funniest video. Basically, YouTube. The funniest people. Pardon yeah, me. YouTube. 20 years before YouTube. The whole, yeah, exactly. I can't believe that America's Funniest Home Videos is still in the I couldn't believe six years ago. Even now, it's, YouTube is even more it ridiculous. Actually stood, I can't remember the actor's name who played Carlton on The Fresh Prince, but that's who the host is uh, of America's Funniest Videos. Okay. Today. Yeah, I forget the guy's name. Uh, that sounds about right. I'll, do, I'll go through fast, actually, here. So The Golden Girls at number six, 60 Minutes, number seven. The Wonder Years, uh, number eight, which was actually a show that I always loved. Number nine, I didn't remember this one. Empty Nest. I couldn't tell you who was on that one. It was a Golden Girls spinoff. I used to watch that now and then. Are you serious? I loved and continue to love the Golden Girls. So the Golden Girls was still on the air, and there was a... Well, who was in the spinoff? I don't remember the actor's name. It was like a handsome man who lived down the street who was was their age. And it was one of those things like uh, uh, Blanche was always trying to get with him. Were there, he was like were there guest, crossover episodes? There were definitely crossover episodes. He was a character on, who would show up on Golden Girls maybe five, six times a year. And it was, that was always the running joke that Blanche was always just trying to desperately get with him. And then he got his own show. It was empty nests, I think, because it's like he had kids and they'd moved yeah, out. Whatever. I don't remember. I don't remember who, what other characters were on that show. I don't remember. Like, did he just sit around the house all day alone <laughs> and I, just wait for Blanche to go <laughs> over? I, get, I don't remember what happened on that show, but that was it. Was a Golden Girls spinoff. I remember it well. Okay, I can picture the guy's face. I didn't. I don't know the actor's name. Uh, and rounding out number ten, Monday Night Football. Okay. Uh, so on the history front, I don't have a lot. Uh, the S and P five hundred is just under three hundred and fifty. Uh, oh, I meant to put together a sound effect, and I never did. All right, well, it was on my to-do list for season six, and I didn't get around to it. All right, well, maybe you can do it for the next episode. Some kind of comical S and P five hundred sound effect for you. So, so on December first, Mikhail Gorbachev meets with Pope John Paul II, and apparently he must have found religion because. Two days later, the Cold War is declared over by George Bush and Mikhail Gorbachev. <laughs> yeah. Very timely for a, a particular joke in this movie, in Tango and Cash. <laughs> yes. Uh, so this is a big one, especially for this podcast. Uh, on December 17th, a TV show premieres as a standalone series. I can't... Oh, The Simpsons? The okay. Simpsons premieres yeah. December 17th. Think about that, 1989. Oh, yeah. I think 30 years... Almost 30 years ago. They're starting a 30th season, right? Yeah. This, this year? Yeah. So... It's crazy to me. Yeah, well, it's crazy to think, think about it that there are people that are 30 years old that have never been alive. Oh, yeah. And The Simpsons wasn't on the air. We were Bart's age at the time, and now yes. we're well past Homer's age. Yes. You know, I, I'm aware of that very acutely. On December 20th, I, I got this mainly because I, I love some of the operation names. Uh, Manuel Noriega is run out of office uh, in Panama by U- U.S. troops in Operation Just Cause. I'm, I'm not sure how they come up with some of those names. It's marketing, you know? They want to sell it to the American people. <laughs> Apparently so. Uh, on the Billboard 100, We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel. Oh, okay. That's actually not a terrible song. I was thinking 89, uh-oh, this is going to be terrible. <laughs> Music was not in a good place around this time. What's funny is I was always interested in history, even at a young age like that. That song taught me a ton of history. I actually really enjoyed that sure. song. Not th- I'm not a huge Billy Joel fan. Not that I'm a big music fan either way, but I, I really like that song because it opened me up to like lo- look up and learn some more stuff in history. I actually actively dislike Billy Joel, but I don't, I don't <laughs> mind that song. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever heard of an artist that I've mentioned that you actively dislike. That's interesting. Well, there's plenty, but you know, I, I usually keep my mouth shut. I don't mind Sammy Hagar. Okay. No, it's Piano Man mostly. It's like, ugh. You know, anytime I hear that song, most of his songs, Just the Way You Are, ugh. It's just, all his songs make my stomach churn. That's the only one that doesn't. All right. Uh, and then rounding out in the New York Times bestseller, I think I've mentioned this author before. 
Daddy by Danielle Steele, which she cranked out like a book every three months, and I can't tell you how many of those my mom read. I'll bet Danielle Steele's career and Sylvester Stallone's career had <laughs> almost exactly, yeah, it's, it's the, the Venn diagram is a circle, so I think we're going to get a lot of Danielle Steele <laughs> as we go through these years. Uh, so that was just a flavor of uh, 1989. Okay. So. Simpsons is a big deal for us. I, I absolutely. I, I I remember that episode. And the, look, those first seasons are terrible. I barely watch any of those episodes, but I remember how excited I was, and how much of a big deal to go the next day after a Simpsons episode to get to school and talk about it. Did Still you, to this day, I, I I agree. Did you watch Tracy Ullman for the Simpsons? Because I I I discovered the Simpsons. I was watching like some Tracy Ullman because I don't I don't know why, but well, I know why. I only watched to watch the Simpsons like the little two minute. Well, I mean, when they go to commercial. Yeah, that's what like kept me or drew me in, and I was really excited. But I don't know why I would have discovered it in the first place. And so I was super excited when The Simpsons was getting there. Yeah, it was a big deal to kids our age. That's for sure. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about the big picture. Absolutely. You want to talk? We'll talk. I'm a sucker for good conversation. So the big picture is a segment where we, you know, try and lay out the plot as uh, best and as concise as we can. Well, it remains to be seen, but this we'll is the segment where we just talk about the movie yeah. on the whole and what we thought of it and just the plot. All right, so the, the two best cops, narcotics cops in Los Angeles in the 1980s. Yeah, we see an example of how one of them is the best cop. I think, uh, unfortunately, Cash gets the short shrift because Tango gets a whole sequence of, of stopping that, uh, that oil semi. tanker full of cocaine. Yeah, Such tank. a joke. Um, it's 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 a bummer that he gets this whole thing showing what a great copy is, and then you just you're just told that oh by the way Cash is also really good. <laughs> you know you never you never see him make a bus. We spent all our money on that big rig, and we got a helicopter. We didn't have enough for Gabriel Cash. Well, I think from what I read is that opening sequence was reshot. Like it was an entirely new sequence that was added after the fact because the original director got fired. And there were basically four different people who directed at various points, including wow. Stallone. For like, it seems, from what I was reading, it seems like he was just filling in when like nobody else is available. And I think that was one of those reshoots of gotcha. they invented it after the fact, which maybe is why it's so Stallone heavy. Is because <laughs> Stallone probably had more creative input than Kurt Russell. I mean, I'm not even kidding. No, I, he probably did. It doesn't. It also doesn't really feel like it fits in the movie, does it? No, but I wish the movie was more like this scene because this scene is. It's fun in the right ways, and it's jokey in the right ways, and it doesn't feel like it's trying too hard, which is not true for most of this movie, which most of the movie has a real kind of flop sweat quality to it. It's like, hey, are you having fun? Is this funny? Hey, what about this? You know, (laughs) this opening scene is funny. In a, in a sort of a last action hero sort of a way, like where he stops the truck and the guys go flying yes. out of the windshield. Like, that's not a joke. That's just, it, it, it's crazy in a way that is just that's silly fun. and fun. So you already brought it. It's in my notes. I'm going to just bring it up front here. I couldn't believe how many instances in this movie. I'm like, man, last action hero referenced this movie more than I, I would have thought. Because I didn't remember this movie, having seen it. But there are elements of last action hero or there are elements of Tango and Cash in Last Section Hero that I did not recognize at all. You mean like specific references? Absolutely. Just, okay, like what's an example? I'll, I'll tell you right now. And I, I was floored to the point where I'm like, I'm glad I went back and watched this. When we get the introduction of Gabriel Cash, he goes back to his apartment. There's an assassin <laughs> waiting really, in the closet. That's true. I'm like, are you, are you now telling me, do not tell me that, that the, so one of the writers on Last Action yeah. Hero, absolutely, that they came from Tango and Cash. Yeah, you may be right. Yeah. I mean, are you know me, closet doors that go to cost me a fortune. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's a few others that I think I have in my notes, but the, the feeling you're right of that, that tanker, 
that entire sequence feels like Last Action Hero. And then, mm-hmm. I mean, that the, the closet door, I immediately, I have it in here. I'm like, oh my God, it's Jack Slater. I didn't think about that, but yeah, you're exactly right. I, the, the point, the difference is, is that Slater is smart enough to know to just shoot right. inside there. Cash doesn't, you know, he doesn't realize that. There's always a guy in there. There's always a guy in there. Yeah. Sorry. No, I derailed fine. it a little bit. But. No, I mean, that's a very specific connection that I, I didn't realize. But um, I mean, I was just thinking more in terms of the tone of it, like a silly cartoonish action movie. The opening scene, I don't think is relying as much on jokes. I mean, there's a couple. Where to drop in? I mean, I, I almost did a pun count. <laughs> I didn't. I ran out of steam. I mean, this is probably the first one that would qualify for our original bad puns kind of counts. Yeah, I I noticed at least two, and that's one of them where they fly out of the windshield inexplicably. Like, (laughs) I I, okay, fine. They're not wearing seatbelts, but I I don't know how you could stop a car so just with the brakes so abruptly that you go flying out of the front. So I like I love that I love the fact. And that how did the guy drive him with? He's got this big wheel in yeah. front of him. He's he must be he, holding on to the wheel, right? And he's laying on the brake too. How does he go? That's true. Yeah, as soon as he goes flying, his foot comes off the brake, and it's like, yeah, it was like an equal equilibrium. There is no possible physical way that that could happen. No, but it's fun. <laughs> I mean, it definitely so is keep fun. Keep it in, right? And I love the captain shows up and he's like, "You got two guys on the pavement." He goes, "That's right, I, I noticed." And then Tango being just. I'm amazing, and look what I did, and I don't care that I'm out of my jurisdiction or whatever. Yeah. And the, the, I wear glasses and suits, but I'm a great cop. Yeah. He's this rich guy. He's driving a Mercedes, I think? No, a Cadillac. Uh, it's a Cadillac, Cadillac okay. convertible. Which okay. I laughed at that, too. I'm like, why is... I mean, you, again, I mean, that's a little bit Jack Slater, the fact that it's a convertible, but what's not is that he's... I know it's because he's the rich one, but... Yeah, he's just a, driving his own car. A Cadillac? It has actually similarities, I realize, to Bad Boys, remember, because Will oh, Smith yeah. is the rich guy who's only a cop for the, for the thrill and the action. Yeah, and, and Martin Lawrence is, is kind of the everyman. And yeah. he's, he's, I don't know if he's as, like, you know, because I think in this movie it's very much slob and snob. Like, oh, big time. It's, you know, Kurt Russell's the working class guy. Other than that, there's almost no difference between these characters. No, not at all. <laughs> I mean, neither one of them is the good cop. They're both kind of cops who don't play by the rules. I was going to say, yeah, varying degrees of bad cop. <laughs> and to the fact that they actually, bad cop and worse cop yeah, yeah. is the game that they play. Which I can see, I can see how that could work where it's like they're, they're mirror images of each other. Yeah. Um, I just thought it was funny how in that scene where the guy bursts through his, his closet to attack him. To, uh, Kurt Russell. I always get their names confused because I keep wanting to. Th- I keep thinking that Sylvester Stallone's character is named Cash because that would make sense. Why it, are they flipped? It's too. It was, I think it was too ironic for them to do that. <laughs> I guess they had to switch it because it was yeah. too on the nose. Um, I, the, and the, the only reason I remember it is because of the Jack Palance scene. Is the only reason I. Ah, yes, cash. Oh, look at how much it cost me. Gabriel Cash. <laughs> well, we learned it cost him a billion dollars in the newspaper. And the reason why I find a that... Billion a billion, billion dollars is so absurd. In 1989. Well, actually, I, I kind of did the math, and it's not as absurd as you think. We'll, we'll wait until little details. But just in terms of like the fact that these two are the same character, I love that... Uh, uh, Cash gets the newspaper and he's like, ah, Mr. Armani, what a jerk. And then he flips the paper over and he's like, yeah, there's me. <laughs> That's how little difference there is where the, the big beef that Cash has is, oh, the front page newspaper article about me is below the fold on the front page. <laughs> exactly. That's the only difference is he's below the fold on the front page of the paper. Oh, I'm such a, a slob, such a screw up. I only get below the fold. 
<laughs> That's how similar they are. And is it in that newspaper? Didn't he like seize two hundred million dollars worth of cocaine or I, something? I don't think it was that much. I think I I, I have a note about it. I'm, we'll talk right. about. It. I'll find it later. But All like, right. it was notably less. It was significantly like, yeah. less. Like it, the, right. it was like he's still a front page story. No, because I think I think his story tells the kilos. It was like two hundred kilos. Seized. Oh, okay. Maybe and so it's like. not easy. But I found out. I did a Google you, search, which probably got me on the FBI's uh, uh, watch list. to see how much a kilo is what, worth in 1989. I found it exactly. In Los Angeles. That's how specific I was able to get information. We'll That's talk about it in little details. I know exactly how much a, a kilo of, right. of cocaine cost in LA in 1989, and I did the math. And all I can tell you for now is that Cash got, he sees significantly less than okay. Tango. So effectively, you know, you've got it established. There are two, uh, two sides of the same coin in terms of being effective cops, maybe not necessarily playing by the rules. One is a working man, the other is not. And they're the, I guess, the arch nemesis of Jack Palance's character. Right, but they don't know who he is. No, which seems interesting, <laughs> yeah. right? That's why I was saying I wish there was more Jack Palance. Like, I feel like there's no real information about Jack Palance. Who is this guy? I guess he owns this like quarry with a warehouse in it. and, and oh, it was a former military base. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, it's just like a warehouse with like a quarry around That's it. what it looks like, but it was when, um, I don't remember the oh, actor's like name. Oh, like fake Q guy? Oh. Does he tell him? Oh, yes, he does, and we'll get there. Let me <laughs> yeah. just, let me just, we'll get there. I, I agree with that exasperated sigh. I'm with you there. So, I mean, that's basically the premise then, right? And so they're they're undermining his drug trade, and he decides, as we alluded to, no, he needs to not make them martyrs. He's going to get them framed and put in prison. Yeah. I guess once they've been... Like shamed once once they've lost their reputation, you know that's been tarnished. Then they can kill them in prison. Yeah, I, I guess. And what, what's funny is that I have to agree with his lieutenants here. Yeah, I guess. Just also kill it makes no sense. They're obviously making a huge impact on a billion dollars. Uh, yeah. Well, at least one of them is. Tango is making a big impact. I'm not sure how how much cash is to be honest with you. I mean, certainly not enough for him to be putting them on the, 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 cash and Tango, Tango and cash. <laughs> One on the east side, one on the west side. I mean, honestly, I mean, think about that much money, right? A billion dollars. (laughs) Losing a billion dollars of revenue is going to impact any business. That impacts a Fortune 500 company. (laughs) He's not going to be able to make payroll at that point. But no, but my point is, I I wish there was more context for Jack Palance. I wish there were scenes to show that I'm a respectable businessman. Here I am, you know, donating money to the police retirement fund or whatever, you know. Gus Spring, right? uh, Yeah, exactly. Some kind of public-facing... A side of him, and you know, nobody would suspect that he's actually the bad guy. Nobody would suspect that he's running. Yeah, it's, no, he, is exactly right. Yeah, but it, what you get out of the characters, he's he honestly is just a guy that seems like he's holed up in this old military base. Right. No one knows who he is because he just doesn't come. He he keeps his limo windows rolled up. <laughs> and well, actually, when they drive past that uh, crime scene, it's just like a weird fog rolls in outside. Like they obviously just filmed it. <laughs> Did you notice the? It's true. It's just like a white void outside. It's like, wait, weren't they just driving past that tanker? But now it's like a oh, mysterious void. It they, doesn't make it. It's like they it drove into Stephen the King's fog. mist. Yeah, yeah. the mist. You're right. Um, but it does because I, on the east side and the west side, each of Tango and Cash know either Lopez or Quan. So mm-hmm. the, those are known criminal figures, and somehow they work for this guy, and nobody knows who he is. Right. Well, I mean, I guess maybe Jack Palance is he's the money, and he's kind of. St- always been silently backing these two operations that I guess for all intents and purposes appear to be separate because the thing is he's not just dealing drugs he's dealing arms too he he's like he's a jack of all trades no 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 pun there intended with jack Palance, oh, yeah. but i mean he's got arms 
I, they're just in crates and just say U.S. Marines or whatever it says on there, which okay, is that, awesome. Okay, that makes sense. Maybe he just, like, got all these weapons from... Or I don't even know what. No, because he says they're coming in. He has a line about, like, he's got a shipment of the largest yeah. shipment of guns ever. Yeah. And, and he has the, maybe my favorite line reading the whole movie in that line. I don't know if you remember. He goes, no. like, I forget the exact line. I kind of want to play that scene, so maybe we should just play it. Or maybe we, we, we probably get, should just play it. Um, <laughs> but he says something about, like, I am waiting on the largest shipment of guns that we have ever possessed. Or whatever he says. <laughs> he that is totally Jack. He balance. hits we so hard and with such force, and like <laughs> he's constantly like stopping halfway through a sentence, and you think the sentence like the sentence over, and then he keeps going. <laughs> and I'm booting up the Blu-ray. We can keep talking, but uh, eventually I want to play that scene. I don't want to get in the habit of playing scenes again. No, I think we did that too much on on last uh, on bad puns. That's fair. Um, so I guess just kind of finish it out. So of course he gets he does he is successful in in getting them framed and put it in prison, right, uh, for a murder that they didn't commit. But they make pretty short work of that prison because they are not there very long. Yeah, are they even there a day? I don't think they are. I don't think they even have I to spend th- one night there. I th- I think that they are there for at least a few days and maybe a couple of weeks because they kind of make it seem. Although that's what I wasn't sure. The time difference. He gets the shipment of weapons, and that was supposed to be like a few weeks away. But they're also on trial, so it it was unclear to me how much time that they spent in prison. Yeah, but those couple of weeks could be them after they've escaped. That's the other trying thing to track down the people who framed them. Which, unlike Death Race that we covered in uh, the bonus episodes, this script at least had, and I have in my notes, that when two guys escape prison, they go in opposite directions. <laughs> they do not team up. But in this case, they at least had a prior, you know, I mean, they don't like each other, but at least they know yeah, they, they know each other and they know yeah. they, they can trust each other more yes. or less. But what I'm saying is that even, that's what my point is, is that Death Race was so infuriating to me because in that, they immediately are willing to team up and like basically live together where in this movie they get it right it's like no if our chances of being successful in evading being recaptured is if we split here and don't run in the same direction yeah i mean the difference is here they're trying to prove their innocence right whereas in death race they're just trying to get away from a horrible regime so it's like here they have every reason to compare notes and and work together to to solve the case, right? I didn't realize recognize that ridiculous pinky ring he's got. Oh, I didn't notice the pinky ring. I just pulled up the scene. Should we watch this scene? Yeah. This, this is them plotting to frame Tango and Cash with with the prop mice. There's also in this is just a visual thing, so it's only something that we're gonna see. But um, there's one line in particular where he's talking. Just look out for it. He's like giving a line of dialogue. And then there's like, they just cut to a tight close-up of Jack Palance chuckling. He's just like, we'll get Tango and Cash. Close-up. <laughs> and then back to like the regular shot. Watch, watch out for it. Right. Let's watch the scene. All right, that's fair. Now do you understand why we mustn't kill them? No, Mr. Fred. I do not understand. I love but that he's got a box quicker. just for the rat. Easier. <laughs> like ornate, like a custom-built. Look at that ring. Oh, yeah. And On his left easier. hand. Yes, quick and easy is how you make a cake, or clean a toilet bowl, or shop. <laughs> Jack Pants is so great. But quick and easy is not how you run a multi-million dollar business such as ours. Multi-million? He lost a billion dollars of cocaine. It's not even multi-billion. That's your part. It is, yeah. It's, it's like a Dakota ring. Yeah. Has cost me more than $60 million. That includes guns and drugs and... Uh, various other enterprises. Watch him smell. <laughs> Watch him smell these rats too. There's gonna be a lot of visual things. Has cost me even more. He smells them. It's so weird. Two little mice. 
done so much damage. <laughs> here, th- here comes the part. Back in the box. <laughs> if we kill them, we risk all-out war with the police. They're heroes already. Why? <laughs> Make Barry, you think the sentence is over? Why? Instead of death. Here, this part. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to a close-up just for that chuckle. Within two weeks. Seinfeld. Uh, here comes the line of thing. I will be taking delivery of the largest shipment of munitions and weapons that we have ever had. <laughs> Within that time. All right. I, I don't think there's anything else. He's going to put the rats in the maze. Yes. So I think we could probably stop. But <laughs> hit the part that I wanted to see. We. You're right. There, I, <laughs> didn't, I didn't recognize how many times that it seems like, oh, that sentence is. No, that was just <laughs> right. a comma. Right. I already forgot the line, but yeah, it's like, why? It's like, why? you think it's a rhetorical question, and then he says, why? Kill make them. Mark, make the monsters out of them. You think the sentence is over, but no. That's just Jack Palance, like, rebooting or something. <laughs> so they make, uh, you know, generally short work of their prison stay, and then... Um, Including first, a fight with Robert Zadaro, who I want to mention at the very least, just because he's famous. I don't think you've seen this movie. He's famous for being in Samurai Cop, no, which is one of these like notoriously bad movies that the internet loves. Wow. So it's worth seeing because it's terrible and kind of funny in, a, in how it's terrible. But Is it uh, like Jim Cotta or yeah, uh, Miami Connection terrible? It's somewhere between those two. Okay. It's such a famous bad movie, and Robert Zadar is featured gotcha. prominently in it. This is probably the biggest movie he's in. And he's, he's the guy he's, with the giant chin. I was going to say, is he the one they call Conan the Barbarian? Yes. Which I did. I'll always appreciate a Stallone-Arnold reference. Yeah, is this the second one? I couldn't remember how many we've seen, we've had. Because we had a couple Stallone references in Arnold's movies. I think this yes. is the second time we've had the reverse. I think so. We had the Arnold Presidential Library and Demolition <laughs> Man. Yes. And now I love doing Conan the Barbarian. And so uh, get him, they make relatively short work. They go their separate ways and are both working to find the information to exonerate themselves and ultimately get to, get to Jack Palance. Yeah, including uh, Cash goes to Tango's sister's club where she performs. Yes, I guess it's a cabaret club. I mean, I... Yeah, my memory was that it was a strip club. That's clearly not what's going on there. No. It's it's some kind of yeah. I, I don't know if it, I don't know. I don't know what kind of what I, I, show it, that it, is. It does get back to the our, our conversations about audiences. I mean that that they're absolutely. I'm not sure who the audience is because it's mostly people that are really dressed up to go to this place, but they are absolutely loving every minute of this show. Yeah, this show where Terry Hatcher just kind of does a few kind of bends. I mean, I, I think she comes out with, like, a vest, and she takes that off, and she yeah. just kind of has, like, a, a, a bikini top or whatever, like a yeah. sequined top. Yeah. And then, yeah, the, the electronic drums come out, <laughs> and then she's, like, angry at the bartender, like, hey, where are my sticks? Yeah, it's like, well, wait. He's too slow because he was talking to Gabriel <laughs> Right. But then it's like, well, who put the drums out? Why isn't that guy's job? It's like, <laughs> that you're right. The drums magically appear. But there's no why sticks. Wouldn't, why wouldn't the drum guy have the drumsticks? Yeah. <laughs> or why wouldn't they just be with the drums? Right, yeah. It should just be like, a, you know, there's usually a little stand, like an electronic drums. It'd be like a little place to put your sticks. I mean, it's obviously because they wanted to have, have her get closer to the bar and she recognizes Cash. Right. But whatever. But that, her acts could have been anything and she could have recognized Cash. Yeah. Why did they decide to have Terry Hatcher do this drum solo when clearly Terry Hatcher is not a drummer and cannot... Draw, it, she can't keep in the rhythm. I'm, to, to her credit, I'm sure that they didn't know what, mo- what song they were going to put in. They probably yeah. put the song in after the fact. But she just randomly just... I mean, if you listen to the scene, just just listen to the drums. 
when the camera's not on her, you don't hear any drums. And then they cut to her, and she's just like, boom, boom, boom. It's just hitting. My question on No him. real rhythm was to it. Was this the origins of Blue Man Group? <laughs> just like randomly hitting drums. But to your point, it's like the, all these people are dressed up to, to this place, and this is the show they're getting? A giant fan rolls out behind her. <laughs> it's true. And, you know, she plays... Uh, electronic drums badly and then walk back up and for like two seconds too i mean it's not like it's a really long drum solo or anything it maybe is five seconds yeah i mean i'll bet she hits the drum three times times. yeah i mean it's it's not a solo by any stretch and even if it was even if she was an amazing drummer it's not a full set of drums it's just four pads like electronic pads that she's just standing there it's basically like one of the you know guitar hero for drums she does that like yeah that's what it is that's exactly what it is it's one of those (laughs) plastic uh, i mean i played a fair amount of of rock band when it was new and I definitely could play better than what she's doing here. <laughs> but she I mean, they shouldn't have even showed her. They should have had a drumming double. Yeah. Sh- shoot from behind her and get someone who can really play drums. You know, do something actually cool. Yeah. But like looking at her act, it's like she gets paid to do this. What and is the, she doing? Well, these people. There's a lot of people there. I mean, so much that you know the bartender can't even get the drinks out fast enough. That's true. Yeah, and he's very under. quick to say this one's on me. I'm like, what kind of bar is that? Yeah, I mean, he must have uh, the authority to do that because uh, the guy didn't seem like he was waiting that long for a drink. No, that's true. I mean, yeah, I, I, I've talked about in the past how bartenders are usually not apologetic when it takes them forever to get to you. It's yeah. like that's just that's what you expect when you go to a bar. Part of the game. Uh, so eventually, they make their in the plot. They of course find the information that they need, and then somehow <laughs> and do nothing with it. <laughs> and it, they just go vigilante on the bad guy. They get hard evidence. He gets the cash. Gets a recording, a tape, <laughs> yeah, an actual tape of the bad guys plotting to frame them. We never hear that tape, but presumably, it, he says that it's evidence that but, they were but framed it's because they don't uh, actually go to the Tango's p- captain. Says you got twenty four hours to clear your name, so they just go vigilante. <laughs> but they don't it, clear their name. They just kill the bad guys. They don't clear their name. Cash has the tape. Just give it to the captain here. We've cleared our name. I arrest he, them. I think he does give it to the captain. Right, but why? Then why are they? Why do they have to go with their James Bond vehicle and kill everybody? Their indestructible minivan. Because <laughs> they, all right, so you just got to it. Another, I think, last action hero reference. That gun on the side, oh, I yeah. think, is the minivan from the car chase scene in Last Action Hero. It might literally be the minivan. They might have been like, this thing's still laying around in the Warner Brothers lot. <laughs> We're just going to bust it out. Both movies are Warner Brothers. I'm, so, yeah, I'll bet it was just sitting around in the lot. Like, oh, this, this, this minivan with a I'm gun. I'm telling you, there were a few. I'll, in the little details, I think I've got a couple <laughs> others. I'm telling you, there is a lot of Tango and Cash in Last Action Hero. Is Jack Slater 4 just pieced together from all of the different <laughs> things lying around on the Warner Brothers lot? <laughs> That's probably what it is. I'll bet it is. We probably, if we search from the late 80s some movie that had, had a focal point of an ice cream truck mm-hmm. definitely was a warner brothers vehicle and like, well we got an ice cream truck well let's write in i certainly ice that guy the gold phrase uh i, I hope they started with the joke in that case and oh. said okay even if we don't have an ice cream truck we'll go we're, out and buy we're, one we're getting one yeah uh so yeah and all of a sudden it turns into a demolition derby and they kill the bad guys <laughs> that that's how the movie ends with a great high five at the end i love how um, I mean, there is the hints of a romance between Cash and Tango's sister, but you don't know it's his sister for a while. It's another one of these Stallone movies where you think that he's got a romantic relationship with somebody, and then it's his family, like yeah, a relative. Was, uh, Bullet to the Head was yeah. the first one. This is the yeah. second time we've had this where it's like the movie is trying to mislead you into thinking that it's his girlfriend, and nope, it's his daughter slash sister. In this yeah. case, it's his sister. 
Um, yeah, I, I wonder why that's so common. The, this <laughs> one I felt was telegraphed a little bit. Bullet to the head. I agree. It wasn't telegraphed at all. This this one, especially the tone of the movie of you know trying for comedic moments and uncomfortable moments. I felt like it was a little fairer. Bullet to the head, it was completely out of left field. Well, here's the thing. This kind of a twist cannot work because there's two ways you can do it. You can do it like bullet to the head where he's speaking to this girl in a way that seems romantic. And then once it's revealed, that's his daughter. It's like, it's ooh, awful. gross. Right. right? And, but they did that to re- preserve the twist. Whereas here, you know, Tango's not speaking to her like she's a romantic partner in any way. I mean, he's speaking to her very, very matter-of-factly. I mean, they don't interact with each other like they're in a relationship so when it, the twist is oh it's a sister it's like yeah that makes sense it didn't seem like they were together in the first place no so I there's mean, no good way to do it and, either you tip your hand or you don't tip your hand and it's gross because they're too you know they're too romantic at early. best on this one you might be able to buy that they were like you they're like it was maybe a strange husband and wife sure you could maybe buy that but that's that's still a stretch yeah they are fighting the only time that they've seen them together, together before i guess yeah Anyway, actually, the part that doesn't make sense and is weird is the, is the part where you think uh, Cash and her have slept together, but then she's just giving him a massage. But then it's like, well, why are there clothes strewn around all over the place? Like, it's, it's a similar sort of a misdirect, right? I mean, it's a shorter term. Like, it's just like a 10 second yeah. thing of like, oh, there's clothes all over. And it's like, okay, she's just giving him. A massage. Although you do get the Three's Company scene where <laughs> Tango comes Coming in, not gonna do it, and you get you get a million internet gifts. Where <laughs> he's just scrubbing <laughs> his face. <laughs> I've seen those gifts on on Twitter before, and I'm, I I remember I thinking am, like I don't know what movie that's from. Uh, Tango and Cash. Tango and Cash. So I, I oh, but, oh, sorry. That, I think that covers the plot pretty well. You got anything else you want to get in? Yeah, just to finish the thought, I got sidetracked from my original thought, which was their high five. Because <laughs> even though there is a little bit of a romance between you know Kurt Russell and Terry Hatcher, the real romance here is between Tango and Cash. And I love that the high five is like the equivalent of the kiss at the end, where it's like, you're, oh, these two characters, they're about to kiss, and it gets interrupted. And you're just like, I just want them to kiss. So here it says high five. It's like they almost high five a couple of times, and they change their minds. You're right. And they save it for the end, because it's the big romantic moment they high five at the end you're right <laughs> i hadn't thought about that it is absolutely the you know the the bromance of the centuries it's like of at least the 80s right of the 80s sure but yeah that high five it's weird how they like almost high five they're like <laughs> we're not ready for this yet this is a big commitment this high five <laughs> you haven't gotten there yet like two times before can i that, trust right? you no not yet <laughs> anyway yeah that's basically it all right so we can move on to what's next I guess. technology I all right it's already up in the cloud what cloud? What cloud? Uh, yeah, so this is the segment of the show where we um, try and highlight where technological changes might have either altered the plot or other things within kind of the universe of the movie. Yeah. Uh, and I actually, I thought this movie being from like the ladies, I thought this would be ripe for things for me on this list. I did not have very many. I'm kind of disappointed in myself. I, I had a couple. So right, I mean, good. I, I think this movie is trying to be very high tech and futuristic with that van. <laughs> The, and you said his Q somehow made its way, made his way into this movie. I mean, it's supposed to be this really high tech vehicle, but it's just a bulletproof van with a minigun on the side, right? Like it's <laughs> not much. that high tech. It's got a screen in there, I guess, where you can talk. Oh, to yeah, them. because in in this in this world in the 1980s, video like FaceTime, Facebook, or Skype is prevalent everywhere. Palance has got it. They've got it in the van. That's true. He's got his like four by four TV grid that yeah. he talks to people on. Yeah, it's I ridiculous. About that. Yeah. Cause I noticed that the camera kept like zooming in and out weirdly on the yeah. bad guys. Like who's controlling that camera. And it's actually like back to the future too. Ironically enough, that it is, around yeah. this time is that video screens are everywhere. Yeah, in read, this universe. Read my facts. 
Uh, so I'll just go, okay, the first one I had does not change the outcome, but I absolutely wanted to highlight it because one of Jack Palance's, he, uh, it shouldn't be as easy as shopping by mail. Yeah. Today, you would not be shopping by mail. <laughs> yeah, that definitely stands out. That's yeah. a line they would not use today. No, I was, I was trying to think of an equivalent of that vehicle, like what is the high-tech you know, Bond-esque car of today. Yeah. And I came to the conclusion that they would be in the 2018, 2019, pardon me, uh, remake of Tango, Tango and Cash. Gale. The two of them are fighting over who gets to control the, the military drone. Oh. I only had two things on my list, oh. and you just got me. Okay. So That's sorry. No, it's an excellent point. It absolutely would have been. Okay. And well, some of the arms that um, Perrette would have been dealing in absolutely would have been drones, without yeah. a doubt. Instead of stuffed dogs with guns in the mouths? <laughs> dogs that shoot bees? incredibly stupid was that? <laughs> it's stupid in like a million ways. You want to talk about it now, or you want to wait until... But was it... I mean, honestly, was it even fun stupid? It was just dumb. It's just supposed to be... A riff on Bond, you know, but why does the LAPD have this? Like, I mean, it, there it is. That's the, the Los number one Angeles Police Department. <laughs> that's the number one dumb thing that they have. This whole department, who knows how much money they're spending to invent home security for the elderly, says or something like that. Yeah, which what, is a stuffed what? dog with a gun in its mouth. <laughs> that's that's all it is. That's literally all it is. But then the dumb part is they can't even get that to work. So that's. I mean, who's going to fall for that? Oh, it's security for the elderly. Like like a robber. Someone's going to break into an old folks' home and see this stuffed dog and go, oh, a dog, and run away. And then if it doesn't, then it's supposed to shoot it. But it's like a real dog would be better security. Just a flesh and blood dog would be more. You, you just beat me to it. Thank you. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm beating no. you at everything I guess. No, it is. You would have a real guard dog. Why does the, LP, the, why does the LAPD have a massive cash burn rate of basically like Wayne Enterprises trying to design the Batmobile? And then... Then the gun doesn't work. Then it explodes. And <laughs> inexplicably. I, I guess it just like it backfired or something and exploded. And then Tango and Cash are still willing to get into this guy's vehicle. It's like I wouldn't get into that vehicle. His his he couldn't build a stuffed dog. That, so, uh, that exploded. You're gonna get into this like minivan and, and trust it? I wouldn't. So I'm <laughs> no. with you. So that scene makes no sense in a million different ways. But sorry, well, why did we get on this? Well, we got on it because of the drones, which you, oh, I, now, right. I am now out of technology. I hope maybe you <laughs> okay. have one or two more because the drones was absolutely my number one. But I'm surprised they didn't have a scene to fight over who gets to drive the car. It's like, ooh, cool car. I want to drive it. Yeah, I'm, surpri- I'm surprised they didn't do that. Um, okay, a couple other things I have. So faking of the audio. So they frame Tango and Cash by creating this... Oh, the forged audio of them saying, oh, we're going to kill you, whatever. You know, so you think they would have tried to find a way to do like a deep fake video or something? Yeah, that's, ex- that's exactly right. All I, right, that, that's a good point. I think I think they would try to do video too. Cause I, don't, I can't imagine that this kind of audio fakery was possible in 1989. I don't think so either. Because they don't really but explain the, how they do you it. You had the smarmy uh, – well, that guy's been in other stuff too, and I, I couldn't remember what. Yeah, I recognize them. I didn't look them up though. But, I mean, they, they had him, so of course he could fake it. He had high-tech equipment. Yeah, and he says he's got files on them. He's got like recordings of them that he used to piece together, but it's like that does. I don't buy that for a second. Can I ask you this? I got it in the little details, but I'll move it up. Were you reminded of the George Michael sports machine yeah. with his high tech equipment there? It's got reel to reels in there. Yes, and stuff. absolutely. Of, of course. Anytime I see a reel to reel machine, yes, of course I think of George Michael sports machine. Let's go inside the machine. <laughs> we reference that so many times. I'll bet of all the podcasts in the world, we reference the George Michael Sports Machine more than any, more than sports podcasts. I'll bet we <laughs> reference the, hey, George Michael Sports Machine more than any other podcast in the world. We've got to be number one at something, so if that's it, <laughs> that's true. I'm okay with it. We've got to distinguish ourselves in some way. Yeah. This podcast where two white guys talk about pop culture. <laughs> 
that's how we're going to distinguish ourselves. <laughs> the George Michael Sports. Yeah, exactly. Team. Did you have anything else on technology? Because I really, I, I whiffed on this. Um, I was just curious about laser sights. Because Cash has got a laser sight in his pistol. I think they, I do think they existed. It did look really big. No, I believe they existed. I believe they were just as clunky as it looked there, because it looked pretty clunky. But I was just trying to think, like, do, does anybody use laser sights anymore? Does the military use it? Like, it seems like a thing that maybe is gone now. Oh, that's an interesting point. I don't, I don't know if they still are used today. I think they've got something better than a, a thing that puts a dot on your target to just warn them that they're about to be shot. Like, I'll bet there's something yeah, better. Yeah, uh, that's interesting today, but I mean, all... I can think of all the way into the late 90s movies still had that in there without a doubt. I can remember like The Negotiator with um, Kevin Spacey and Samuel L. Jackson. Definitely, that's that's a point, the laser sight. Yeah. Well, The Terminator. That was, like, I think, the first movie to, to depict a laser sight in a movie. Yeah. But yeah, it just seems like a thing that uh, has fallen out of favor, at least in movies. Yeah. I will say, oh, uh, Spectre. I didn't even think about it until just now. But Spectre had a scene where James Bond's got a laser sight and he's about to assassinate a guy. But they see it in the smoke. Yep, they like have, they toast like cigars, like uh, or to our evil plan or whatever, and they blow smoke and the, so that they don't see it on the, the uh, body the, the of the dot guy itself, right? So maybe laser sights have gotten better, where it doesn't actually you can't actually see that you've got a it's sight got, on it. You. Gets the line, but you can't actually see it yeah. anyway. Yeah, it was just so prominent in this movie, and also I just thought it was strange that Cash is the one using it. It's like shouldn't the rich guy have the laser sight? But whatever. Well, that's that's where he spent all his money, I guess. So, but that's 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 all I got for technology. All right, so we can move on to little details. Yes, I was sir. I have a special jingle for this oh. one. This may be permanent. This may be just a one-off, but it's always bothered me that this didn't have music, and so All I've right. done some work on the jingles. Okay. So here's a new Little Details jingle. That cardboard headstone tipped over. <laughs> this graveyard is obviously phony. <laughs> you know what the music reminds me a little bit of, too? Uh, Do you ever play Smash TV? Sure. Which would have been around that time. This actually feels a little bit like when you're playing Smash TV. Yeah, it does have a game show vibe to it. I mean, yeah. this is you, a, it could be in The Running Man. I mean, you uh, you could have that music in The Running Man. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Harold Fultemeyer because this is one of my little details is the All score. Right. And it's, you know, we talked about Harold Fultemeyer on The Running Man episode, and uh, he did the score for that. And he, he's he got a very particular style. And I think that's one of the highlights for me of this movie is I really like the music. I Unfortunately, he didn't do the whole score because it was, like, edited so quickly and, like, they were in a rush to get it done and he wasn't available for, like, a week or whatever. So... <laughs> They had to get somebody else in. But, um, yeah, that theme in particular, I don't know. It's just bouncy, and it sets a, a tone of fun that obviously this movie's going for. So I think it was a good choice to hire Harold Faltemeyer. He, he usually does these kinds of synth, very 80s style. You know, because Top Gun is really the only outlier of all the stuff. He's, that's a little more serious and a little more, I don't know, epic is the right word, but just like orchestral or whatever. Whereas most of his stuff is, it sounds like this, and I really like I, I wish more movies now had and scores bouncy, like this. Yeah. Because like nowadays, whenever they go back to like, oh, it's a retro '80s synthesized score, it's always just like low tones, like brrr, you know, ooh, you know. I just saw Mandy with the uh, Nicolas Cage and did not like it one bit. <laughs> I really didn't like it. I know the internet is going crazy about it. I don't know it, so often that sounds like I don't need to check it out if I, you didn't love it. I, the internet is going crazy about it. It's, it's very. It, it's set in eighteen eighty three. It's very atmospheric and like ooh, spooky '80s synthesizers. So that's the whole movie. You know, I want fun '80s. I want this. I want Harold Faltermeyer. That's the kind that of really helps cops, synthesi- right? Yeah, he yeah. did. He did that. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, Axel F. It's the same. It's a similar kind of a theme. Absolutely. You know, yeah. that's the thing that is not used today. No. Whenever p- people do like '80s throwbacks, it's never stuff like this. No, and what's funny is that I mean, if you were to ask me to just say '80s score. What like what jumps out in your mind? I'm going to tell you right now. The Beverly Hills Cop score is if if I had to like sum up what 
an 80s, especially an action movie, should be it's Beverly Hills Cop. So yeah. if you're trying to channel the 1980s, at least for me, immediately I would think Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, it, maybe it's because it's still so recognizable, like the, the Axel F theme. Like this one, not so much because Tango and Cash is not as well known a movie. But like, yeah, if you if you did a score that sounded like Beverly Hills Cop, people would probably still go, "Oh, it just sounds like Beverly Hills Cop," and maybe not take it seriously. I guess, but I mean, if you're trying to channel that era of movies, I, I'm not saying it has to be exactly like that. But you're right, this more bouncy kind of playful. Yeah. That's what it should be. You can do it in a way that is it evokes Harold Faltermeyer without yeah. copying it. Yeah, you know, I think the three main like composers in the '80s who used a lot of synths were John Carpenter. Who's just back? Who's just doing? He did the score for the new Halloween, so I mean, he's just doing it again. And then there's Vince DiCola, who did Rocky Four, and I can't wait to get to that and talk about that music. And I think that style has sort of come back a little bit. But Harold Faltermeyer, just I don't hear a lot of stuff that sounds like this in movie yeah. scores. That's all. All right, so, so I want I want to lead off with that opening scene because we got two references in this. First, I just want to say the sheriff is some of the worst overacting I have ever seen. I want your weapon. I want your badge. I want your ass. Yeah. Who the f*** do you think you are? And then somebody chimes in. He thinks he's Rambo. Yep. More self-referentiality from Stallone. He loves referencing his own movies. We've talked about it it's before. over the top. This is the most you extreme. Like you like that yeah. reference? <laughs> that was a nice reference. <laughs> now, I'll, I'll applaud you. Oh, you're going to give me a... I'll give you one of those for that. Uh, um, no, so but, I, the fact it's like there's no reason. I do, do you need a Rambo reference in this movie? I mean, you don't need it, but I think Stallone just wanted it. It is easy to forget how much a part of the culture Rambo was at the time. Like I could see this movie having this line, even if Stallone wasn't playing tango. I could very easily see, you know, if this really? is. A, do you think that would be in a lethal weapon, though? I guess this is. A I think bit, so. I right. think I could very easily see someone saying that to to Riggs. Be like, oh, who do you think you're, Rambo? Because it was just part of the lexicon at the time. It was and, short, shorthand yeah, for tough guy. Yeah, just flying off the handle and shooting without, you know. I mean, I, I think in some cases it was used to celebrate somebody, and sometimes it was a pejorative, just like, take it easy, Rambo. Like, you're going yeah. too far with this. Yeah. But yeah, I think it was just part of, you know, language at the time. All right. And it still is to a certain degree, but it's, it's easy to forget how big Rambo was because it's not anymore. Fair enough. It doesn't mean I think they should have done it. <laughs> Let me just say that. I just wanted to know because we've got a Conan the Barbarian and Rambo in the same movie. Well, because it raises so many questions that we can talk about now or we can save for questions. Rambo exists in this world, so does Rambo look like, you know, Tango? He looks like Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. I, or no, he looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I mean, that, maybe. That's, what I, that's how I explain it all the way. Last Action Hero <laughs> gave you that answer. They, they traded. fantastic in this movie. Yes. Schwarzenegger <laughs> but is then, Rambo in this world. In this world, but there's diff- these are different worlds. This is a different yes. world than Jack Slater 4? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> so there Even though it seems like Jack Slater 4 is very much just whatever was left over on the Warner Brothers lot. <laughs> so in this world, Arnold is both the Terminator and Rambo? Ooh. And in the other world, Stallone is both the Terminator yes. and Rambo? Yes. Okay. In the Jack Slater 4 world, Stallone is both. Yes. And in this world, Arnold is both. Yes. Okay, this is very confusing. Is, you know, we're getting into like string theory and many worlds, and, you know, the multiverse. It is completely absurd. Right? Because otherwise, they should be commenting on how he looks exactly like Rambo. So, yeah, I guess it must be some other actor. Well, it's Rambo with glasses and an Armani suit. Sure, but he doesn't wear those glasses that long. He's got them in a couple of scenes, but I guess Rambo does have longer hair. Oh, yeah. Or at least he's, he's got more Gabriel Cash's hair. Yeah. At least he, he does until five. More Rambo stuff is coming out about Rambo 5. We have a title now. I don't know if you heard about that. I have not. What's the title? It's called Last Blood. 
Rambo, oh, Last Blood. Last. So this is it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm excited about that. That made me excited. Okay. <laughs> that I think that I feel like that Are tells, sure me, that tells not, me that wait, Sly knows what he's doing. There could be a son of Rambo. <laughs> well, there already was a son of Rambo. Touche. All right. So uh, what, else, what else you got? Uh, let me see. I've got a big one I want to save for last. Okay. We already talked about the Schwarzenegger reference. Okay. I have a stuntman pet peeve. This is a oh. thing that happens in movies. And every time I see it, it bothers me. And it happens in this movie. When a stuntman jumps out of a window or jumps from a height and you don't see them land, right? They just jump out of frame. And they obviously, on the day, they had like a pad or like a, you know, whatever, uh, an inflatable thing. Something that they fall on, right? But they fall break on. The fall, break right. their fall. And when they do that, at least in 80s movies, I don't see this as often now, but whenever they do that, they jump and they put their legs out in front of them to yep. land on their back on the, pa- on the inflatable <laughs> thing and then cut to the character landing on their feet. It drives me crazy every time. It always bothers me. And, it, and it's uh, Kurt Russell's stuntman in this one. Kurt, when right. Kurt Russell gets attacked by Flat Top, yeah. and he chases him out the window. Kurt Russell just jumps out the window, puts his feet out, because he's obviously going to land on his back on a cushion, and then cut to Kurt Russell, you know, actual you Kurt are. Russell landing on his feet, going, ah, and chasing. That is a good catch. There's a big one, actually, speaking of Kurt Russell in Big Trouble in Little China. It's, uh, remember, you've seen Big Trouble in Little oh, China. Oh, yeah. You remember that, like, Bigfoot Yeti, whatever it is, that yeah. shows up near the end? Yeah. And he grabs, uh, 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 what's her name? Not Kate Capshaw, uh, from Sex and the City. What's that uh, actress's name? Uh, I'm drawing a blank. Not Sarah Jessica Parker. Um, no. Yeah, it's going to kill me. It'll probably come <laughs> to me. Whatever, but he, he grabs yeah. her and he jumps into a hole, and this monster is like, ah, I'm a feral beast, and then he jumps and just like, whoop, he puts his feet out <laughs> to land on the pad, and then cuts him, ah, and he lands on his feet. That's the most egregious one. That's, that's the one that, I, I almost kind of like that one because it's so egregious, but in this case, it just bugged me. Fair enough. What do you uh, so I wanted to get uh, the Seinfeld references out of the way in my little details, because you've got middle, Mr. Littman giving Tango some advice that does not work out very well. Is that Mr. Littman? Because I looked it up, and I, I looked up the actor in this movie, and I don't think it's Mr. Lippman. I think it's just an actor who looks identical. Come on. Are you serious? I swear I looked it up, and I'm like, that's Mr. Lippman, right? And then I looked it up, and he didn't have Seinfeld in his credits. Wow. I mean, I would have honestly, I would have bet almost every dollar I had that was Mr. Lippman. I agree. I mean, I looked it up. That's how much I, I went like, I noticed him and went like, oh, Mr. Lippman. I'm going to look it up just to oh, confirm. Man. I, don't, right. I don't think so. Maybe I just missed it. I don't think so. I don't think that's him. I think right. just an actor who looks remarkably similar. <laughs> Well, I, I just had that so Mr. Lippman gives Tango some advice that does not work out. And I said, maybe that's because the owner of the Chinese restaurant set them up. And I just said, he said Cartwright. Right. <laughs> I'm not Cartwright. I'm not, you're, you're not Cartwright. Of course I'm not Cartwright. Yeah. Uh, well, that but, guy's also in Big Trouble in Little China. Yes. Low pan. But that does not work. I'm going to look it up here now. That does not work if that is not Mr. Lippman. I can't believe that. No, but there are a lot of Seinfeld actors. I mean, uh, Terry Hatcher. Yeah. Famously was in Seinfeld. You're right. I, you're right. In a, a very famous episode and famous line. And also sure. Total Recall Sweaty Guy. The really? guy who sweats and Arnold Oh, yeah. He, he's in this too. You're he's right. He's the crooked, uh, I guess he's an FBI agent. It's not entirely clear, but yeah, you're they right. call him Jabba the Hutt. He is barely in this movie, though. I think he's only in those two scenes. Yeah, he never comes back. They never f- track him down and uh, get any kind of comeuppance. Because he he's basically the one who plants the evidence or like yes. creates the tape or something. I forget what his deal was. And then he testifies. Well, that, that replaces Mr. Littman, because I sure. would have put everything that was Mr. Littman. <laughs> no, there are a lot of Seinfeld actors who appeared. It's just, you know, again, ha- they're happening at the same time, so. Yep. Even, I'm sure, like, you, you watch any movie, there are probably two or three, like, Seinfeld or Cheers, or just, like, pick a show, and there's probably some kind of overlap, but. Because they were working so much. Right? right. And just, there are a lot of Seinfeld episodes, so a lot of one-off uh, people. Indeed. Um, I want to loop back. Speaking of comeuppance. 
This movie has maybe the most labored line of dialogue in the history of film or of action films, in my opinion. Okay. And it's when Tango, Tango, I'm still getting confused. Yeah, Tango, Stallone. Stallone, yep. Tracks down the FBI agent who framed them. And yeah, and he winds up getting blown up in, in a car bomb. Yes. But before he gets blown up in a car bomb. Hold on, I'm, I'm, I'm redeeming myself. Oh, One, is it? Okay. It is not Mr. Lippman, because apparently it's Mr. Lippman, which I never knew until now looking it up. Lippman or Lippman? Lip. Lippman. Yeah, okay. I always thought it was Lippman, but no, he is, he is definitely, it is, the actor's name is Richard Fancy. Okay, I stand corrected. Uh, I must have looked up the wrong... That doesn't sound like the name I looked up. I must have looked up a different guy. You have no idea. Honestly, it would have driven me crazy. I would have bet every dollar I had that that was Mr. Now Lippman, which I've called him Mr. Lippman all the time. I stand corrected. I I don't think I looked up that name. I think I looked up somebody. I must have mixed up the credits here. Sorry. Uh, what do you, what, I'm sorry. Oh, that's fine. No, that was worth interrupting me for. I, right. We strive for accuracy in all things, and that's yes. an important thing to be accurate about. All right. No, I will redeem myself with this, which was uh, the most... I, I really... I laughed at this line because it was so terrible, and it, I think it has patience wearing thin from Last Action Hero beat. <laughs> Only that's, that's intentionally later. Yes, it is. The line where the guy drops his spaghetti, and Tango goes, from the looks of your diet, it's obvious that you're not too interested in counting calories. Could it be that you're too busy counting the money they paid you to set us up? <laughs> the way it's delivered to yes. is so bad. I mean, I give I guess alone a lot of credit for managing to make that line work. Where he he leans into the absurdity of it, the way he just it builds and builds and builds, and he's just screaming by the it's end. So stupid. Um, it is maybe the worst line of dialogue I've ever seen in an action movie, but it, it ends up working because it's so absurd. What is it on my? What is the elbow on my jacket doing? Wearing thin. Who? What are they, who do they treat in the hospital? Yeah. Patients. Yeah. What's then, the thing in my elbow? What I'm saying is the labored part. It's really <laughs> right. bad and like too busy counting the money they paid. I mean, it, it's long. Yeah. It's it's overly wordy. It's yes. just like thirty percent too many words. Even if it went straight line to the punchline, it would be a long trip. But then it's like meandering through the sentences. It's just adding things. Anyway, I, I've, I've got one more, uh, two more things. I got a couple, so okay, let me go ahead. get this one. I love in this movie world that slinkies can somehow be used to tie a person up. <laughs> well, it ties up Clint Howard, I guess. I understand it's Clint Howard, but it's a slinky. <laughs> sure. I don't care how tough uh, Ray Tango is. He's not going to be able to subdue a man <laughs> with a slinky. <laughs> I guess you're right. I didn't think about it. It's I, I so bought it. stupid. I bought it when I was watching the movie, but yeah, it is designed to stretch. Yes. It is designed to be <laughs> expandable to the it's point where so how could you possibly tie it tight enough so that he wouldn't be able to pull his way out of you it? You can't. Yeah, you're right. I didn't think about it. All right. But that, he, that whole sequence I kind of tuned out a little bit for because it's just like, oh, it's like prison bunkmate jokes of just like, look at this guy. He's so fat. He's, you know, it's, yeah, he punches him. He farts. And he farts. Yeah, <laughs> it's just. I was tuning out there. I was like, okay. Well, the entire, I mean, honestly, you could cut out the entire prison sequence and nothing really changes. Yeah. That's the other thing, too, about it. Yeah. They could have made it so that they escaped on their way. Like, oh, we're on their way. Right. We're being taken to a real prison where we're going to be killed. Let's jump out of this van right. or let's, whatever. Let's do the Dr. Richard Kimball <clears throat> and get out of the, the prison van. Right? Yeah. I mean, it really is three movies in a weird way. It's like it's split into three sections, and each one of them could have been its own movie. It's weird how this movie has absolutely no substance and yet still feels overstuffed. Yes. You know, it's like pick one of these thirds and make that your movie. All right, so this is the one though. I don't, that one wasn't going to be a, a main one. I, I just thought it was incredibly dumb. I we need to talk about Requin the Requin, whatever it is, the henchman. Yes. The, what 
in the world. You've got an American actor yeah. who's been in things like Cabin Boy. Why is <laughs> that's it? where you know him from? I know, I know him, from, him from Blade Runner. Okay, yes. from Blade Runner. I mean, the, the, uh, b- yes, uh, but yeah. the point he's is, definitely well, an American actor. He's definitely an American actor. I mean, he's from Los Angeles. Yeah. Do you think that it was his choice? What, I do not know what they were thinking, other than if it was trying to be like bad accent funny, but it wasn't. He's terrible. And then he uses some of the biggest, like, British cliches of all time. The dialogue is terrible. Yeah. Bollocks to plenty. From what I was reading, I think because there was kind of nobody at the wheel of of the vessel in this movie, like, there's just no director steering, steering the ship. So he just started doing that. And apparently, I think when they were in between directors, Stallone just liked it and said, like, yeah, do more of that. Like, I think, I think that character was only supposed to have. Like a line? The, yeah, I think he was only supposed to appear in the prison sequence and then maybe be killed there or something. And then they're like, oh. He, I, th- I think from what I was reading, Stallone is the one who really loved the accent. It's like, oh, we can use you another. You can, really? You, we can, you can be around for the ending and you can we can have a scene where you're the hanging out. from prison. He's the governor. He actually says that line. Yeah. I mean, it's clear that they didn't plan this out because they would have at least made it more plausible if they... Had been like had someone there to be like oh, no don't don't say that we'll, we'll come up with a more you know appropriate Cockney thing for you to say than he's the governor you uh, ain't worth a toss. <laughs> well, I had this in my questions, so okay. I'll just I'll just move it up since we're talking about him. All right. Do you think that character is putting on that accent to like <laughs> because that's how <laughs> to, it like, feels? Throw him off the scent, sure, or just like impress his fellow criminals of just like oh a big deal in East London, you know I'm I'm. <laughs> he just like was lying about his resume. Like, <laughs> I love that idea. I, I, I don't think it's true, but I like that idea. It's such an implausible accent. It's, it sounds so terrible. Or, do you, or I assume it, it sounds terrible to actual English people. Like, oh, I, I have to I, think that anyone who has actual exposure to like that kind of an accent, it's embarrassingly bad. Yeah, it, it is Mary Poppins esque. I like the idea though. Or how about this? Let's play it a, a step out. Is that? He's like a stuntman, and he, he is trying to expand into acting. And the first meeting he has with Perrette, he's, mm-hmm. he's still using the accent, and then he feels like to keep the job, he has to keep going. Because otherwise, he's not trustworthy because they think he's a British guy. He just got caught in a lie, in yes. other words. And he has to, like, a stanza. He's just got to keep going with the lie. I mean, that would have been really funny if during the scene where they're hanging him off the, the roof... He just changes he back just, to his L.A. accent. Exactly, yeah. Yes. I, I, that would have totally worked for me. <laughs> I mean, it's too bad they didn't think of that. They didn't, you know, because they, they were just playing it like the character was, was Cockney. And, right. yeah, it's so unplausible. Also, let's talk about that scene for a moment. I'm getting kind of changing gears a little bit. but That's all right. When they're hanging him off the roof, and he's just like, oh, I don't care. I, I'm not afraid of this. And then, like, okay, I'll tell you what. We're going to tie you up and, and put a, a grenade to you. <laughs> and now he's terrified. It's like, well, either he thinks they're going to kill him or he doesn't. The method by which they're killing him. Why does he change why his mind? The, why what why is the make? grenade worse than being dropped off a building? Right. It, it seems like he just doesn't believe that they're going to kill him. And then they do is like, oh, I'm crazy. I'm going to put a grenade down your pants. Like, oh, a bloody dud. Does <laughs> <laughs> he say right. bloody or does he say bloomin'? No, he says <laughs> bloody. Bloody dud. He might have said bloomin' dud. That's, I guess, more Australian. But, um... <laughs> Uh, it would yeah. be great if he actually he gets confused and he starts doing an Australian. <laughs> it was veering into that a little bit, I think. But anyway, yeah, I just I, there's something I noticed that never came up. So since we were talking about that guy, All right. I don't understand why he's not scared and then suddenly scared. 
Anyway, details. Do you have anything left? I got right, the, one last one. I, I got one do. last one too, and then we can wrap it up. All right, go All for right. it. So it actually has to do with the quote unquote RV from hell. Mm-hmm. So uh, le- did you notice at some point in time that Jack Palance's lair, they have an alarm that sounds like a submarine diving in World War II? <laughs> for the bomb that's going to go off? Yes. Yeah. Did you notice that? I'm like, where in the what world is this? <laughs> now that you mention it, yeah. I, I can, wish I can you could imagine. almost pull it up. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. They just pulled. They just pulled up from a sound library. I'm sure, just like <laughs> alarm sound. But doesn't like, it take you? Or at least it did for me. I guess you didn't notice it. It just took me out of the feeling of the movie. I mean, I was so already so out of the movie. Like <laughs> this is not a movie that I can suspend my disbelief in any way. So yeah, I agree with you. I, I can remember the the klaxon, but it's like. This All is a right. movie where it's fair. It's fair. You know they're they're fighting uh, monster trucks with a super <sighs> minivan. So you know, so stupid. <laughs> I've got some stuff about the monster All trucks right. later. All right, what's your last in uh, in the little details? So I'll try and keep this short. But I when there whenever there have been newspaper articles, I have I tended to pause. To the head. Yes. Yeah, and also uh, the specialist. Don't forget where he's cutting out newspaper articles about uh, Sharon Stone's childhood <laughs> trauma. This movie has so many newspaper articles. <laughs> I wrote them all down. Some of them have the generic. Remember when we did the specialist and it was like the generic, like the conference, the motion of the conference was withheld. It was just like super generic. Yeah. And some of it, some of them are real newspaper articles. They just pay, they just changed the headline and the, the photo. So I'll try and get through these fast, but there are like a dozen. There's a whole montage of the trial. Yes. Like, that's a lot of stuff that they could have easily skipped over. Like, there's like an eight-minute sequence of Who cared each about step the of the trial and the different people testifying. And, you know, the guy at the flat top is testifying and everyone's testifying. And you and see so funny, many news. knew that they were going to be convicted, right? right? Of course. So it's like, why go through all this? Yeah, as soon as you hear that tape, it's like, okay, you don't need to show the rest of the trial. Oh. You just understand that they were found guilty. I'll try and get through this fast, but um, so the first two newspaper articles you see are when uh, Cash has the newspaper and he's upset that he's below the fold, but yeah. um, it's just about their exploits, his and, and uh, Tango's. Uh, so, Tango breaks drug pipeline, one billion in cocaine seized by Jacqueline Friedman, staff reporter. I'm going to read the names of of the bylines because I noticed that there's a lot of turnover on this Metro beat because <laughs> basically every one of these is written by a different person. <laughs> okay. Um, That's great. So I did a Google search. This is where I found out how much uh, a billion dollars of cocaine, like what, how many kilos would that be? So yeah. I found an article from October 22nd, 1989. So very close to the date. Absolutely. Uh, it was written by Carolyn Skorneck. And this is uh, an AP article. Okay. I'm just going to make sure I give credit. Which states that the price of cocaine in Los Angeles in 1989 was around $10,000 per kilo. So doing the math, it's 100,000 kilograms of cocaine. <laughs> In that tanker. And I had the same reaction as you. Just like, There's, that's not plausible. No. But then I, kind of, I looked up, okay, how much do those tankers hold? And a tanker like that holds 80,000 pounds of gasoline. So it's actually, in terms of weight, it's not that different. In terms I of, guess, but, but it's only a portion of that tanker. I think they had like a layer of gasoline on top, but I think it was thin enough. That <laughs> it's just, just fool someone looking in the top. I'm sure it's. It, I have to assume it was mostly cocaine in there. All right, because he shoots the thing and it's it's like oh, it's more than pour, halfway up, it, right? and it's pouring out like it's <laughs> a, a sugar. Uh, it, you know, you're like pouring sugar into coffee. Well, no, it's snowing. Oh, <laughs> oh, it's snowing. Is that guy the cone of rage? I should have done a pun count. I don't know if that's technically a pun. It's not because you know you could call it cocaine. Snow. All right, all right. Okay, and then so we got a new Metro beat reporter on the next one. <laughs> well, the other one is it's the same. 
uh, same newspaper the same day. So now this is Cash's article. Cash makes another bust. 200 kilos seized. So no byline on this one. So 200 kilos versus 100,000. You can understand why it's below the fold and probably shouldn't be on the front page. I can't imagine that two drug busts would make the front page of the metro section when one of them's 100,000 kilos, the but other one's 200. But what doesn't make sense is that Palin says that he's running a multi-million dollar business. Right. But he just had a billion dollars lost just from Tango. I mean, maybe the police are, are stretching the truth. Yeah, the they're trying to make themselves look good. A billion dollars of cocaine. But, I, I mean, the math more or less works out. Um, so, yeah, this article's got the same kind of generic text. Uh, okay, and then here, starting with the montage after they're framed. L.A. Chronicle, police department stunned. Tango and Cash arrested for murder, exclamation point. East side, west side, hero cops caught in drug deal action uh, by Mary Ellen Courtney, Chronicle staff writer. So uh, still some new people. And then this text is from a real article. It says, in a press conference Saturday, however, Ortega appeared to back off his threat slightly, saying that he would reconsider the decision to resume offensive operations this week as the United States moves to cut off its remaining assistance to the guerrillas. So <laughs> they didn't even find like, a crime story to use. Right. So next is LA Chronicle. Cops tango and cash to stand trial for drug deal murder by Scott Lowry. Here's the text of this article. The Lord, it is often said from the pulpit, works in mysterious ways. <laughs> To which the Dolores Mission Catholic Church in East Los Angeles can add a hearty amen. In two dizzying weeks, the little parish was rewarded by a television quiz show with a sense of fair play, bedeviled by a thief who looted the church strongbox and made whole again by a Texas businessman who reads People magazine. (laughs) Providence, said the parish priest, groping to explain the succession of events at Dolores Mission. Then it gets cut off, and then the next column it picks up. In briefing reporters on the session, officials stressed that there is no indication that Barco's determination is fading, even as the cartels mount a relentless wave of terror in the name of all-out war against the government. This is the same article. It's very clearly the same article. So <laughs> how did that story go from lighthearted story about a, a mission <laughs> being donated money to gorillas, drug gorillas? Oh, that is great. Um, anyway, moving on. Cops cry foul. Tango and Cash claim set up, exclamation point. Plead not guilty by Mary Ellen Courtney. Uh, okay. I wrote, oh my God, so many news- newspaper articles. <laughs> DA vows to convict rogue cops for murder. Policemen face life in prison if found guilty uh, by Patrick Michael. And then the text here is, two UC San Francisco scientists who unearthed the seeds of cancer buried deep in the genetic makeup of both humans and animals won the Nobel, Nobel Prize in Medicine Monday. I love how they're not even close to crime stories. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, there is one that is close. Uh, we'll get to it in a second. I've got, I'll, I'll, I'll skip some of these. There's so many. Witness testifies about police brutality by Patrick Michael. This is the first repeat. And that's flat top. <laughs> There's a picture of him and like, his girlfriend, I guess. Like, yeah. Oh, no, they beat me up. Tango and Cash trial leads to investigation of police cor- corruption by Kathleen Lowry, uh, which we never get any indication that there was any <laughs> investigation about police corruption. It just went nowhere. But here, this is, article actually has some text that is relevant. It says, L.A. County judges dismissed three cases against alleged cocaine dealers Thursday as the repercussions of alleged money skimming by sheriff department's narcotics officers continued to spread. It's like, oh, that's actually right. kind of close. Yes. Uh, and there's more there, but anyway. LA Chronicle City Side Edition. Medal of Honor Cops Disgraced by Lee Bowers. Medal of Honor is a very specific medal. It absolutely That's is. a military honor. I'm pretty sure that uh, a police would be like Medal of Valor or something like that. I don't think that it's... No. 
And we never hear about any kind of Medal of oh. Valor or anything like that. They just no. seem like... <laughs> they just seize drugs. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this one, this article is about a, a labor dispute between a hotel chain and its workers. <laughs> I won't read the whole thing. LA Chronicle, evidence mounts. Tango and Cash conviction seems certain. Super cops trial blow to police department integrity by Mary Ellen Courtney. Again, another repeat. Uh, and the only text you see here is, the hurricane that hit South Carolina was more devastating than anyone had expected. <laughs> okay, and then last one, I believe. Oh, this is the la- this is the pa- the article at the end of the movie yeah. where they're exonerated and they high five and then yep. the photo is of the high five and I, my note is oh god one more <laughs> and then I say okay <laughs> Tango and Cash escape no byline at all after less than forty eight hours of being processed into Adina State Penitentiary Ray Tango and Gabriel Cash have escaped hey it's actually a text about the the movie circumstances surrounding the escape of the two former Los Angeles police detectives are being withheld at this time. Inside sources have stated that their very appearance at Adina is highly questionable. Court records state that Tango and Cash were due to serve 18 months at a minimum security facility. The facts regarding the situation remain the same, state the authorities. <laughs> Details concerning the action have been given a preliminary investigation, but it is felt only after a more detailed study will the true facts become known. Which actually kind of makes sense, even right. though it's a generic text. Oh, sorry. That's after the escape. That's not the one at the end. No, I, I was confused, but <laughs> I was going to yes, let you keep th- going. Then there's the one final one saying, heroes again, Tango and Cash back on the force, and the two of them are high-fiving. Okay. So there's a, lot of, there's a lot of newspapers. I'll cut some of that out, I'm sure. Absolutely a uh, lot. Uh, some certainly better than others. I, you know, I've made this commitment, and I don't even know why, to just like newspaper articles. I think it's just because I find it interesting, just props and things. Yeah. But this was too much. <laughs> so it was a lot of newspapers. Well, it's how they deliver a lot of the, the progress of the plot, right, is through newspaper. I guess, yeah. Anyway, that was All mostly right. a big waste of time, but I felt compelled to do it. Uh, well, I appreciate it. And uh, Apologies to listeners. that I'll cut some of that out, I promise. So, uh, ready for the devil's advocate. All right, let's do it. I want to ask you a bunch of questions, and I want to have them answered immediately. So, this is the segment where Kevin and I do our best to answer and or ask and then answer questions that we had as we went through the movie. Yep. I'll start off. So, here's what I want to know. That semi that opens the movie, it slams on the brakes. We do love it. It's very last action hero. Why mm-hmm. didn't why didn't it just go around Tango? <laughs> I mean, it was a very narrow road, I guess. <laughs> the limo and all the police are directing everybody around the crime scene. They just go off on the side. Why, sure. didn't, why didn't the truck just go off? Because well, because well, another last action hero connection is he's playing chicken. You're playing chicken just like Jack Slater. <laughs> I think that's what we're supposed to. <laughs> Don't keep going, please. I want to hear your rendition of Jack Slater's theme from Class Action. (laughs) (laughs) What is that burp to burp part? I'm pretty sure that's in it when he's like gripping the steering wheel. (laughs) (laughs) Pull up Last Action Hero and I bet you it's in No, I've already wasted enough time. All right. But you're probably, okay. (laughs) I just can't picture the burp You can't explain it away. That truck should have just went right around him. They're gone. He shouldn't have gone around. He should have gone through him. He should just oh, run him over. Okay. He's well, in a giant truck. Yes, he could have gone through him, but he is the hero, so that wasn't going to happen. But it seems like he could have just easily went off-road. I mean, <laughs> this segment is we try to answer them, and my, my answer is it was a narrow road. He didn't want to lose control of, of his tanker. All right. But I think he probably would have been fine just can, going right through the police car. Can I have one follow-up that's my next one? Okay, go ahead. All right. So <laughs> does Jack Palance in that limo, does he follow every semi-truck f- full of drugs? <laughs> I imagine it was just a coincidence. Or or I, or I said, <laughs> or do three drug kingpins just drive out to the desert for fun? <laughs> I mean, he might have, in the middle of nowhere. He might have been on his way somewhere. He could have been on his way to some kind of event or who knows what. Okay. We don't learn anything about his public life. <laughs> no, so we, we do no not. 
Maybe he was checking up. I don't know. Maybe he heard it on the, the radio. Maybe he's got like one of his people listening in on the police radio. Excuse me, on the police radio. All right. Maybe he's like, oh, one of my tankers is in trouble. I better go check it out. Robert Sadar screwed up. <laughs> he was driving that tanker and he flew through the window. I mean, I guess, yeah. I didn't think about it, but maybe he was checking up on it. All right. All he right. did roll down his window so that he could see. Yes. So, I don't know. It seemed pretty risky. It seemed like maybe they could look in. I mean, they, see I guess Juan would... and Lopez, who <laughs> yeah. are notorious. Yeah, right? exactly. All, All right. That... What, uh, what do you got for me? All right. How did Ka- this is a question that maybe I just missed something. All right. How did Cash know to look for Catherine at the Cleopatra Club? Why is he the one looking for her help instead of oh, her no, brother? I think you missed it. Tango tells him, I think after they've ziplined down the electric line, okay. says, if you, uh, if you get into trouble or you need, no, maybe it's if you need to find me, go to the Cleopatra Club and ask for Catherine. Oh, okay. I so didn't he, miss that. Yeah, he, he does tell him, and that's the reason why when he's asking, and then she tells him, nobody knows me as Catherine here. The only person that calls me Catherine is, is Tango. I remember Tango mentioning Catherine, but I must not have noticed that he yeah. flat out says, <laughs> go to the Cleopatra Club. No, he does. That's about as flat out of an answer as I, was, I could have yeah. gotten. So that one, I, I feel good about that. I had a feeling I missed something, yeah. All right, so I have one about Catherine. So where is she? Her brother is on trial for murder. Where is she at? <laughs> He's on trial for murder. She just couldn't get a seat, I guess. Well, she was on a two-month tour or whatever, like a dancing So tour. she still goes on tour? when I mean, come on! <laughs> she was probably already on the road, and it's like, well, I've already committed. <laughs> That's a weak answer. You know it. There's no way. Her I mean, brother this, this is, is a on... weak movie, so yes. my answers are going to be weak. Fair enough. I, right. You know what? Because the courtroom's filled with cops. Like, they're all trying to support their fellow police officers. It's his sister! Yeah, she should be <laughs> supporting him at his trial. She absolutely should. All right. Well, to be fair to her, even though Tango has been in prison, he still complains that her rent is late. <laughs> That's when Cash has to step in. To be fair, he has been in prison. You I know? actually kind of laughed at that. <laughs> it's okay, but it's like, he seemed serious. It didn't seem like he was joking. All right. Tango seems like a pretty harsh brother. Or he's, I mean, just the fact that he's charging his sister rent, he's, he's independently wealthy. He's only a cop because he... I don't see anything wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with it, but he seems like he doesn't need the money. No, he doesn't, but he's trying to, like, keep her on task and, like, being an adult. Maybe. Look, she should, if he's on trial for murder, his sister should be there. I'm, I'm, not, <laughs> yeah, I'm no. not accepting. You're trying to answer it. I, no, right. I applaud the effort. That is a major hole in this thing. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. All right, what do you got next? Okay, we already kind of talked about what kind of a club was that. I was the Cleopatra sure, but, yeah, Club. The Cleopatra Club. Yes. Because um, the, the act before she goes on is just like a guy on a motorcycle. <laughs> He just is on a motorcycle, and he drives up off the stage. It's like, what was he doing with that motorcycle? Was he singing? Was he dancing? Think about all the props that are used on that stage. That's true. Giant fans, electric drums. <laughs> the prop budget alone. Yes. That's why it's such a swanky club. They, 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 I mean, he does charge cash a cover charge. Yeah. $5 cover charge, buddy. Can you tell me why that scene is in the movie? Was that bouncer? Was he like somebody friends on the production? Because there's no. I mean, the whole scene the moment is, of him coming yeah, in, yeah, five dollar color charge, and cash, yeah, okay, no problem. Well, what? You're right, because it it's, only raises the question of how does he have money? He just got out of prison. Yes, there's. Uh, I, where did he get this money? It makes no sense. <laughs> You're right. This is. I guess they had to establish that. Hey, but do you need to establish? Charge. But why even bother establishing that? Yeah, I don't know. All right. Uh, okay. Yeah, we already talked about a lot of my stuff. All right. Well, I'll fire. I'll fire one off. Okay. This is probably my last one, because some of the other ones I think we've already answered or really aren't that great of questions. All right. So why do they only have 24 hours to clear their names? And here's why. It says, oh, the feds are going to be on the case. Wouldn't the feds already be on the case? Yes. The U.S. Marshals would be looking for them and our federal agents. 
The FBI is irrelevant. The U.S. Marshals should be looking for them the oh, minute that they escape. Yeah, that's have, a good point. Have we never seen Tommy Lee Jones? Right. I don't care. He would immediately be on the scene looking for them. Deputy Gerard should be looking for them. Could it be a thing where... The, no. Could, well, <laughs> let me... You don't, you're not even going to have a chance. Okay. <laughs> this is the segment. I'm going to try and answer your question. All right. Presumably, LAPD would be compelled to tell the U.S. Marshals what they know, otherwise they're, they're obstructing justice. Yeah, okay. So that's just the amount of time that the police captain can delay delivering the evidence to the U.S. Marshals that they know. Because the captain obviously knows where they are. He just showed up at Tango's <laughs> sister's house. Yeah. Wait, don't you think that, that the feds could figure that oh, out, you too, think though? So. Yeah, it doesn't seem like she, Catherine has gotten any kind of visit from any law enforcement at all. No. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the bigger question is why isn't why don't they already have agents sitting outside her door already? You her her so? house and her club. Well, yes, and her house because apparently Ray Tango owns the house. Right. His sister lives there and they know that he owns the house. Where is Tango likely to go? Yeah, I guess to be fair, they were staking out the club. Yeah, Kurt because Russell has to sneak out in drag, which yes. somehow we never talked about. Because <laughs> the thing is, is that that's sort of like an 80s thing. There's a few things yeah. in there. I mean, there's there's like casual racism in this movie of the you know downtown clown versus the Beverly Hills Wop. Yeah. I mean, there, there's things that it's it's the same thing. The drag that would not go over today. You, know, you just it, no. Really, even Stallone saying it himself about himself. You don't he, think that would no, fly still? He, he's not saying it. The captain says it. No, I think Stallone says that line. No. Go back and watch sure? it. Yeah, when, when we're so. off air, when we're done recording, go back and watch. Okay, the you captain, might be right. The captain says it, and then yeah, the the dressing up, absolutely not. That would not be done today. So I just I kind of ignored it. Well, and the so, fact then that they flick cigarettes at a police officer's face and they sure. let them leave. Well, the police officer was saying so. I think the stuff that the, he was the sexually harassing were, them, but well, and you know they're they're saying some stuff. I think they're the cops' lines of dialogue. You wouldn't do that today. No, I think a, you can still do this scene today and get away with this. I, I, don't, I don't think so, man. Yeah, I, I don't see what's wrong with it other than the cops are saying derogatory things about them, but they're they're supposed to be the enemy, you know? Like they're they're, they're supposed to be kind of asshole cops, I guess. E- either way, so let, let's I, let's get back. <laughs> let me put it this way: I don't know if any movie would do this today, no. but I don't think if they did, it would be much of an issue. I don't think there's much wrong with this scene. And the worst the worst parts of that scene are just the things that the cops are saying. I guess. Dikes on bikes and stuff like that. All right. Well, let's get back to it, though. So you're trying to explain to me how that the U.S. Marshals are not already all over this house and club. I, although, yes, we established that the club is being staked out. Right. Yeah. But not by the Marshals, by the LAPD. <laughs> you're right. The Marshals don't exist in this world. I mean, this, <laughs> this movie <laughs> That's has... the answer. They just don't exist. <laughs> right. I mean, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is Rambo, and the U.S. Marshals don't exist. <laughs> okay. This is the ultimate reality that we live in. And so by that... And physics functions differently right. when you can fly out of the truck. And that makes sense, because the Marshals don't exist. So Eraser, John Kruger, can't exist either, because Arnold is in all of Stallone's movies, not necessarily movies like Eraser. Right. <laughs> Okay, you're really going like six degrees deep here. <laughs> okay, this is like a, a, a ten-dimensional chest you're working on here. Right. I mean, I think Eraser could exist. It would just be the FBI because in in this world, the FBI is responsible for uh, uh, escape prisoners. Yes, I mean this movie does have the sophistication of like a five-year-old when it comes to like police jurisdictions and things. <laughs> yes. They do at least acknowledge it here and there, like in the opening scene where Tango's just like you know he knows he's out of his jurisdiction and that's why those cops are angry at him, but he still does it. 
He doesn't like, care. He doesn't and care. And there appears to be no repercussions or reprisals. Yeah, we see Robert Zadar later in prison. So obviously he was convicted of transporting this cocaine. He was very con- quickly. I was going to say he was convicted so quickly. <laughs> I didn't even think about it until just now. How much time passes between that opening scene and when we get to prison? A it can't be weeks. more than yeah. I mean, I guess maybe the, a couple may, months because the yeah, trial, whatever. I guess the trial went along. I guess, I guess it took equally long for them <laughs> to be convicted. <laughs> maybe he just fair. got there a couple days earlier. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense actually. All right. Uh, all right. Uh, you got any other questions? Are we moving see. on to what? the Silk Cozart? I have a question about uh, the guy that I was calling Russian Roberto Benini, who wears a T-shirt <laughs> with. That's a good good one. Uh, I honestly thought he was Italian when I he first. I was like, I just wrote down like, oh ambiguously European man is here yeah. and then he turned out to be Russian I'm like oh I wouldn't have expected that based on his accent because he's just like that's not my car it's like, that doesn't sound Russian to me yeah down in the parking garage where Marty McFly's 4x4 is being driven around yeah there's a there's a small like it's barely even a chase it's just demolition derby yeah in inside the a parking garage <laughs> what's funny about that is well, there's nudity for no reason whatsoever <laughs> yeah but you know what <laughs> i appreciated that it's it's such an 80s action movie moment uh, that, that is that, like hey you know like that, that it was just like they, it, it seems so familiar they you know? were checking a box that's for sure <laughs> yeah no. i mean i i'm sure it's just because of the age that we were when i probably saw this i don't i didn't see this movie in theaters but i'm sure i saw it in the early 90s and like that like purple barrette and bangs and like bright pink lipstick <laughs> Notice some of those things. It's, it's that, that kind of a like late eighties girl. I mean, we we poke fun at gratuitous nudity on this podcast all the time, and it's like you know, in a world where everyone has access to hardcore pornography in their pocket at all times of day, yeah. this sort of thing seems silly. But I don't know something about that that it's that era, era. yeah, without a doubt. You know. Um, anyway, where was I going? Oh, you're talking about the the Roberto Benini. Yeah. Why is he wearing this shirt? What is the deal with the shirt he's wearing? He gets angry. He goes, you crazy guy. I am Russian, and I love Glasnost. I love the U.S., and why you wreck my car? And I don't know. And Isn't he going like, to a birthday party or something, too? So it, oh, yeah. He's got a present. He's got his. presents. It seems very inappropriate. In many ways, it seems very inappropriate. So why is he wearing the shirt? Um, it's a shirt, uh, just so I can ex- explain. <laughs> it's a shirt that has one U.S. flag, one Soviet Union flag, a drawing of Mikhail Gorbachev, and then it just says Glasnost over the top of it. <laughs> Where does he get this? shirt does he think it gives him some kind of diplomatic immunity like what what is the purpose <laughs> why why would anybody wear this shirt i think maybe he was a big fan of the movie red heat okay. and so to show solidarity for, for, for the russian police he, he wears this shirt i have no idea but red heat is very confrontational it's, he wears this to be like i love america it's glass nose okay he's a yakov smirnov fan will, will that work <laughs> maybe but yakov smirnov criticize the Soviet Union. He loves both equally. His shirt has both on. He has the U.S. and Soviet Union. Yeah. And he loves Glasnost. Or no, it's his par- I think it's his perestroika. Is that what it is? I My history is not good. I know they're different things. Here's the thing. I think he says, I love perestroika, but his shirt says Glasnost. You, <laughs> I think those are not exactly the same. You've got me. There's no good explanation for this. <laughs> okay. I was just wondering if this guy is a result, speaking of ultimate realities, I wonder if this is the result of Rocky IV in the aftermath of Rocky IV. <laughs> Where Rocky ended the Cold War, yeah. and this is the result. It's just like, we are friends now. Rocky Balboa taught me. That, uh, that's a better explanation than anything that I came okay, up good. with. Okay, good. I mean, I, when you've got... I only Rocky, asked the question... Rocky, Rocky. Why wouldn't you have this guy wearing this shirt? Yeah, I only asked the question so that I could answer Set yourself myself. up? Yeah. yeah. I will say, I mean, this movie did come out two months after the Berlin Wall fell. So I don't know if that's good timing or bad timing. It's, like, I guess topical, but in some ways not, because it's like... 
that, that stuff was changing very quickly at that time. Yeah, so absolutely. I guess it was a risky joke to do. I mean, in the history that I got you to, right, earlier that month, Gorbachev and Bush declared Cold War is over. Right. So that's, that's what Glasnost is, though, right, is like the thawing or friendship, whatever it means. Right. So, I mean, it still works. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I'm sure when they made that, they couldn't have predicted that so much would, have, would change so quickly. in the Cold War. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Uh, I don't know if I have anything else. We talked about the Cockney accent and whether or not that's been put on by the, by the, the character. Um, okay, I have one last question. Are right. you done? Or do you, you yeah, no, that's it. I've, that's all I've got. Okay, last one. Do you think Jack Palance's character keeps cheese in that rat maze, and do you think there's like he like races the rats to see who can get to the end first, or is it just a, a maze with no exit, and it's just like a stylistic thing? No, I think that there is, and here's the reason why. Okay. This is like his little lair in his club. Mm-hmm. He's got it set up where it's on the bar. This is He takes bets, okay. I think, on the rat. So there absolutely has to be something that it's not just an endless maze. Yeah. One of those mice or rats has to win. Okay, I came to that same conclusion. Absolutely. So yeah, I, I, that's kind yes, of what I thought. He does. It's a form of entertainment. <laughs> it's a game. It's the game. Right. He, and he's got it on the board behind him. One is Tango, one is Cash. <laughs> That's what those the bank of monitors is for? It puts up the odds between Tango <laughs> and Cash. You, you think he actually named the rats Tango and Cash? Oh, 100%. <laughs> if that's your question, 100%. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't, There's no yeah. doubt, and he smells them to know which one is Tango and which one is Cash. <laughs> okay, that All was right. my last question. So it's time for the Silk Cozart Corner. All right, let's do it. Both of y'all! Yes, y'all! <laughs> So, yeah, this is the segment where I tend to go on a deep dive on some tangential piece of internet trivia that something from the movie sparked my interest, and I just kind of go on an internet Google search. Yes, and apparently this time it was not the cost of drugs in L.A. since you had that for something else. No, I mean, I found that very quickly, so there wasn't much to talk about there. All right. I did struggle here because the first thing I, I tried to find are some prison break statistics. I was just curious how frequently are there prison breaks from, like, you know, serious, like, maximum security prisons. Yeah. The problem I ran, ran into, I found an article about how difficult it is to make sense of prison escape statistics precisely because the Bureau of Justice Statistics, which, tr- which tracks that, they don't distinguish between a full-on prison break out of a max- maximum security, like tunneling, those yeah. sorts of situations. Lucky Ray. Exactly. They don't distinguish those situations from a guy didn't make it to his halfway house in time because he missed his bus. Really? They're both prison escapes as far as the government's concerned. Wow. So it's impossible to know. a major difference. Yes, of course there is. Yes. So the idea of like, so the statistics are basically meaningless. Okay. So that was kind of a dead end. So then uh, I noticed, because we, we briefly touched on the fact that there are monster trucks in that final action scene. So <laughs> For stupid. some reason, so incredibly Jack stupid. Palance in his, I, I guess you're saying that it was a, a military base. I yes. thought it was a quarry. No, in either case, there's no reason to have monster trucks. <laughs> and they don't other even than, do anything. I, no, it doesn't. Uh, other than the fact is, yeah, it's big and it's part of, like, it seems like something action movies would like. So yeah. we're going to put in a monster truck. <laughs> in the 80s in particular, because yes. mon- that was when monster trucks were at their peak. Yeah, um, I mean, there should have been a sequence where they're trapped in their vehicle, and here comes the monster truck, and it's going to crush them. And oh no, we got to get out! And there's like a moment of tension. No, they're no. Ne- they're never in any danger in that sequence. So of course they don't do that. Uh, so I learned from the research that was actually Bigfoot, really the famous monster truck Bigfoot. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. That's right. So I thought, let me learn more about Bigfoot. What is the story behind Bigfoot? And wow. I, how did Bigfoot come to be? Fantastic. Here's the problem. That story wasn't all that interesting. 
it was a guy who had a pickup truck and he kept breaking his axle because he was driving off road and he thought, I'm going to put bigger wheels on this. And everyone went, wow, that's a big monster truck. And suddenly he had created a trend. There was nothing really that interesting about the story. But the one thing on the Bigfoot Wikipedia page okay. that jumped out at me was this. And so what we're going to do is we're going to watch the first three minutes of the Saturday morning cartoon called Bigfoot and the Muscle Machines, which is apparently a thing. There was a cartoon? From what my understanding is, this they just played this in six-minute increments. It would just be like between the real Saturday morning cartoons. Really? It would just be like a little six-minute chunk. Of, I had no idea this existed. I also had no idea. Have you watched it yet? I, I have. Okay. And we're going to watch the first three minutes. Okay. It's pretty great. So here we go. Here comes Bigfoot. Also very quiet. The best of the big ones. He's rough and he's tough. <laughs> Bigfoot and the muscle machines. Oh, this is right. <laughs> I wish it wasn't so quiet. There you go. It is like a story and everything. Oh, we're going to watch the first three minutes. But is this like a full length cartoon? Uh, they they collected all the little bits into like a one hour movie, I guess. Okay. I had to turn everything up, so now we're super loud in our ears. So this is won't hear that. I just want to get to the when they introduce the characters. So a, just to explain what's going on, there's a woman who has a parchment and she's stolen it or something, and bad guys are coming after her. And with this parchment, she just dived into a fountain of water. Yes. Which is actually foreshadowing if you watch this whole thing. To, I'll, I'll just spoil it. She has a map to the Fountain of Youth. It's <laughs> <laughs> <That sounds> awesome. <laughs> so she's just running from like oh, masked no. bad guys. Amazing! It's okay. <laughs> the animation is awful. Nail her before she gets to the stadium. Is that Cobra Commander? I think it is Cobra Commander. The book, Bigfoot and the Musi Machine. <laughs> they put an I instead of an L. Been waiting for. I can't believe this existed. It's the most 80s thing ever. It absolutely is. <laughs> All wait, wait until you meet the characters. That's that's what I'm waiting for. And the driver, Yank Justice. He's to men what Bigfoot is to trucks. Speaking of me, nothing makes you feel meaner than when you pay too much for a used car. <laughs> Uh, isn't he a radio announcer? How did they see that car that he held up? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This cartoon maybe is not... The Orange Blossom Special, driven by Professor D, with his pet armadillo, Dilly. He really was a professor, until he got caught up in the exciting world of truck <laughs> He really was a professor. I think it's the most shocking thing of the whole story. His pet armadillo, who cares? Um, but anyway, this woman who has the map has run into this stadium. Their names are Red and Redder. And wait till you see these wild-eyed, red-headed twins. This cartoon is amazing. Would you stop hamming it up? Okay. Wow. I just wanted to make sure we, we got all those characters. Red and Redder is the part where I was like, what is happening? What is this cartoon?
Wow. I had no idea that existed, and that definitely feels very, very 1980s. I mean, that is straight out of G.I. Joe, without a doubt. It looks like, the, I'm sure the company who made G.I. Joe probably made this, but it just seems like made as cheaply as possible. <laughs> yes. So anyway, since Bigfoot was in Tango and Cash, wow. I stumbled across this while just Googling around. Uh, this is where I ended up this time for my Silk Cozart, which I don't know if it was worth it or not, but hey, just learning that this cartoon existed was kind of mind-blowing to will me. Will you watch the full hour at some point? I did watch the full hour already. Is, <laughs> I, watched, I watched it uh, yesterday. Does, does, is, it, is it as corny and fun, or is it, is it just bad? Uh, it's both. Okay. I mean, it's, it's very, very bad. They find the Fountain of Youth, and then every six minutes there's a cliffhanger because they, it was designed to be in six-minute chunks. And then every it's uh, it's like uh, it's like a uh, night boat. You know how in night boat uh, every there's every place fjord. there's a fjord. In this in this show, every problem is solved by winching it. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> you need a winch to solve every problem, and it's always uh, the the main guy getting yeah. out of his truck and Hank <laughs> Justice. Yeah, Hank or no, it was uh, uh, te- uh, Tex. Was no. it, okay, te- oh I, Yank. It was Yank Justice. Yank Justice is his name. <laughs> yes, Yank, not Hank. It was too quiet to hear. Yeah, everyone. And I love everyone's calling him a hey, Yank. And it's like it sounds like an insult. That's his name. But yeah, every problem he gets out, he throws a hook on something and then gets back into Bigfoot and, and pulls it down. That actually sounds amazing. I may look that up. <laughs> it's, I enjoyed watching it. I watched the whole thing. All right, all right. Let's move on. Yeah, to the to what we're really here for. I uh, put together more jingles, as I said. All right. These are works in progress. All right. But here you go. I, we have jingles for every single segment now. Fantastic. This movie, we only killed 48 people compared to the last one where we killed 119. <laughs> that is the perfect line for this. Says, this is the body count. <laughs> yep. What we're here for. Yeah. I'm probably going to change the music on that one, but uh, All right. at least we have a segment now. So what's the official count you came in at? Uh, one second. I got to pull it up because I was so busy pulling up Bigfoot and the muscle machines. <laughs> And the muscle. So, does the professor in that? Did, did they like help out, or is it all Yank Justice? They help out. The professor probably did the least. Okay. They meet up on the way with another guy who's part of their team, and then Redder falls in love with him, but he doesn't know them apart. So she, he's always like, "Red, come on in my car." She goes, "I'm Redder." That's <laughs> just a running joke. Hello, Marlene. I'm Charlene. <laughs> Hello, Charlene. I'm Marlene. Chew your gum. gum. All, right. all right, I got it. So. In this movie, there were 23 on the body count total. Yep. Eight by Stallone, only four by Kurt Russell, which was surprising to me. He was pretty light. He really doesn't get into the action until that last scene. Wait, where they just go crazy. Right. That's where almost all the action in the movie is. I think all but four were in that last scene. I think. Oh, no. There's a car bomb, five. All but five. Yep. So Stallone's finally back on the board. He had a long drought for a while. He was stuck on, uh, what was it, 210? So now he's got 218 bodies across 17 movies. And uh, just to explain, we're comparing Stallone to Schwarzenegger's. Yep. Uh, so, so Arnold Schwarzenegger had an average body count of 14.76. Uh, Stallone has 218 across 17 movies now. Uh, so his average body count is now 12.82 or 12.88 if you consider the asterisk <laughs> from Farewell, My Lovely. Fair which enough. Which I'm going to consider. All right. He's falling behind still. We need, a, we need a Rambo to get him caught up again. Without a doubt. So, All right, move on to Wrecking Crew. Yeah, it's time for the award. Another new jingle. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. Explosion! 
absolutely fantastic. I thought you'd like that one. That is that a one, keeper. Yeah. Do not change it. <laughs> I was going to say, I think that one. They cause an explosion. Noxious gases. <laughs> I threw that in just for you. I'm sure there are people listening who will also enjoy that, but absolutely. Walter, Walter Peck isn't there just for you. He is one of the greatest villains of all time. Okay, who are you giving the award to? This is the award where we decide who caused the most damage, wrecked the most shop. It was tough for me because I actually prefer Gabriel Cash, the character, but because of it actually be a Wrecking Crew award, I think you have to give it to Ray Tango. Okay. In what way does he cause more damage? I mean, he's got the higher body count. He's clearly got, I mean, he's got a billion dollar bust. I just think in, in all ways, he, uh, Ray Tango takes, takes the award. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Who set that bomb at the end? Was it Jack Palance? In the, in the building? Yeah, in the building. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Based on that alone, I'm giving it to him, mostly just because I want to give the award to Jack Palance. <laughs> That's an awesome idea. Yeah. I mean, he, it's, the, it's he, a giant explosion. He, he, I'm you, sure he does he, millions of dollars worth of damage. It's like Die Hard. He destroyed a building, right? right? Exactly. There's people covered in glass. I mean, if he hadn't set that, if your answer had been no, he didn't set that bomb, I still would have given it to Jack Palance. <laughs> I just want to give the award to Jack Palance. <laughs> it's awesome. So. I'm, I, look, I am not going to criticize you. To me, I'm like, all right, it's got to be between Tango and Cash because of the movie. Totally fair. Yeah. Jack Palance is awesome in this movie to give him the award. Yeah, I also, I, I, I I maybe don't give it to Stallone enough considering we're watching every one of his movies and he, yeah. you know, maybe I'm trying to compensate by not giving it to him all the time, but yeah, yeah, he deserves it for this one. All right. All right, let's rate this thing. Hey, hey, what the hell are you doing? You're punching car accident victims. No, 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 you don't understand. He was bad mouthing my film. So this is where we use uh, Rocky opponents uh, to rate the movie, all the way from Apollo Creed all the way down to Spider Rico. Uh, yes, I have one quick comment about that. Okay. I just want to say... After our, listening back to our recap episode of season five, I'm of the opinion that these rankings have gotten too hierarchical and have gotten too codified. I don't want to say that every single Clubber Lang, for instance, is necessarily better than every Mason Dixon. It's a loose scale. Fair enough. That's, I'm just going to say that up front. All right. I have a reason to say why I'm saying that, but you okay. can go ahead. Well, I'm going to get this. This one, uh, I'd like to give it a better rating, but it's a Tommy Gun for me. It just is not a good movie. Uh, there's some elements that are fun, and it, I think it has a premise that could be more interesting than it ultimately turns out to be. Yeah, I, I think that's a totally justified uh, ranking or rating. I'm giving it a Clubber Lang. Wow. But the reason why I gave that preamble is because I don't think this is a good movie. Okay. I enjoyed watching it. I had a lot of fun watching it. I don't think it quite crossed over into Ivan Drago territory. No. Yeah. So I wanted I, it to, but no. Yeah, I also wanted to. I was rooting for it, but no, it just didn't. It couldn't do it. it but I, I think this is better than mediocre. I, I do enjoy watching Tango and Cash. I, I own it on Blu-ray, so I may watch it, you know, more often than I would have otherwise. But you know, it's just, it's not a good movie. No. And in in some ways, I don't really understand why I'm having fun watching it because I know this is not a good movie. But I don't know. It's it's charming and it's it's not taking itself seriously. It's try well. It's trying too hard in a lot of places. But, uh, you know, it's hard to criticize it because it's not really trying to do anything other than just be fun yeah. and jokey. Yeah. I'd so. Hey, look, I, I, under, I understand where you're coming from on it. Um, I certainly had more fun with The Specialist. Let's, let's put it that way. So oh, I the, definitely agree with that. Of the two that are on this DVD that you got, that's what I'd go with. So yeah. this, is, um, this was my pick for the start of this season. So you were up, and you've got a pretty wide selection still. I had the entire selection, but you got a pretty wide selection. So where are we headed? Yeah, I, and I made a last-minute change. Ooh. Originally, I was going to do my normal thing and go with a change of pace, um, and I was going to pick Fist. Wow. But I realized something. 
we've settled into this pattern where you pick an action movie and then I go, I want to change a pace. I'm going to go for something esoteric and weird. And then you, and then we do that. And then you go, we need to get back to an action movie and you pick an action movie. Okay. I'm trying to break that. So rather than yeah. going get against us out the of grain, our rut, exactly. I'm going to pick the movie that is actually most similar to Tango and Cash. And that is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. We're going to get back-to-back Kurt Russell. <laughs> wow. Jokey action movie. Yeah. Um, this one is actually competently made as opposed Absolutely. to Tango and Cash. Yes. Um, you well, know, we'll get that, a Marvel thing. That's like, exciting. I'm looking forward to it. I really yeah. enjoyed that movie. I'm, and it's relatively recent, so this will be a good one for, uh, for us to, to dive into. And secretly, I'm hoping that doing a Marvel movie will, will boost our listenership just because <laughs> the young people go crazy for Marvel movies. <laughs> I like the strategy. These two old men talking about 80s action movies. Maybe we can <laughs> trick some young people into listening to this. And maybe they accidentally learn a little bit about Jack Palance. How about that? <laughs> sure. Hopefully they can listen back to our, uh, yeah, our this, episode. this episode and learn about Jack Palance. All right. So uh, I think that's, that's the show. Yeah, it's the show. We'll be back with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Several months later. I've, I've been asked, so before we go off the air, and you can have this obviously post-credits, I um, wanted to give you something. I found something that said Kevin Keen, and I don't know when we'll record next for the holiday, so I wanted to get it on air, so I'm going to go get it for you. Oh, so I feel bad now. No. I, now I'm going to have to get you something. No, you don't have to get me. Okay, Mike is leaving my, my condo. He's disappearing. But I couldn't let you see it. <laughs> I did not expect this. And now I'm sitting here by myself uh, talking to myself. That's chaos theory. Too lazy to wrap it. Thank you. What is this? But uh, this, this, this came, came, came to me. I happened to see it, and this came up on an episode. So I said, I have to get this for Kevin. On a King. podcast episode? Yeah, on a podcast All right. episode. It's, it's only wrapped in a... It was a Macy's Some, yeah, bag? It didn't come from Macy's. That happened to be the bag. <laughs> this I had is just the thing around. that you had to conceal yeah, it in. Yeah, exactly. Okay, let's. What is this? The Golden Girls Any Way You Slice It game. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you find this? Uh, it's at Target. <laughs> Why is Target selling a Golden Girls? I have no idea. This is definitely going on the post show, but yeah, I'm going to open this right now and I think let's it, see what's, what this game is. I think it's a trivia game, and that's because you said that you watched episodes of The Golden Girls, right, and like knew that show, so I'm like, I'm going to get this for Keen. I might. mean, not in a long time. I used to oh, watch okay. it as a kid, but maybe I'd remember a couple of things. Come on, I don't, have a, I don't have a sharp object to open this with. Don't worry about it. I want to at least read a couple of these cards on the podcast. Let me get a knife. That's hey. not a knife. This is a knife. Thank you. Well, I don't, I don't, 
I only shop online, so I don't. Uh, yeah, so you you miss out on things like this. Um, so yeah, and, and you do not have to get me anything. I just happened to see this, and I said this would be perfect for on air. I wasn't sure how serious it was. And uh, what's funny is Kevin is, is opening this and not on Mike as he's opening it up. There actually, believe it or not, there was one that I saw that was not uh, at Target. There is a Golden Girls version of Clue at Bed Bath and Beyond that I was tempted to go get as well. Hold on. <laughs> but, I'm just going to shout my question. Is, does that mean that the Golden Girls have murdered someone? <laughs> I don't know. I maybe I should go and buy it to see if Blanche has murdered someone. Like whoever that guy was that you said that got that spinoff that you couldn't remember. I don't oh, remember yeah. what that guy's name was. I don't maybe he name. maybe he's like the Mister Body of that that game. That would seem about right. Well, uh, Quentin Tarantino, as an actor, appeared on that show once. That's one really piece of trivia that I know. Quentin Tarantino was on the Golden Girls. Maybe he could be somehow behind the. <laughs> This is elaborate. There's discs and there's... Uh, I don't have my headphones on. Am I coming through? Yeah, you're coming through. Uh, there's discs and different types of cards. We'll, Hold on. We'll have to play sometime. This just has like weird... This might be like Clue. Sophia Petrillo was born in, on April 17th, 1906 in Sicily. Has two brothers and two sisters. She once resided in Shady Pines Retirement Home. Is this just like... I, I honestly have no idea. I didn't look at the box. I mean, I looked the at the rules. box and just bought it. I have no idea. There's a disc that says the Golden Girls. This one, all, they all say the Golden Girls. Maybe and they have like flower patterns on them. Maybe those are coasters for your for your beer while you're playing. <laughs> just like we we decided in this board game to include complimentary <laughs> coasters. <laughs> Instructions: Be the first player to collect eight slices to take the cheesecake. <laughs> What? See, when I saw that, I thought maybe it's like Trivial Pursuit. So I thought it was like a you know trivia quiz type game. I have no idea though. I don't think it's a like trivia for the oh. So the cards I just read were like the characters, and I don't know if maybe are those, those like are the just game pieces, kind of. Yeah, I think so. These cards have like questions. No, they have like. Oh no! I guess they, they, okay. This is a trivia thing. It's all right. It, I was going to say it has. Well, to the be. card says steal, which I don't know. I guess you can steal things from the other girls. But it says, how, for how many seasons did the show run? I'm very impressed with the grammar there. Didn't end the sentence with a preposition. For how many seasons did the show run? Not how many seasons did the show run for. Uh, that is good. But, and I will admit, I am the worst. I end so many sentences oh, with nobody, prepositions. Nobody, nobody actually talks like that. For how many seasons did the show run? Like, <laughs> I'm just impressed that they had the foresight. I'm, can, you, uh, can you give me the music to the opening of the Golden Girls? Sure. I will we'll look up. Oh, no, I just, As I'm opening these cards, do you, do I'm, you know? I thought I figured you knew it because right now, right, I, I got three's company in my head. I gotta get the, I gotta get the. I'm coming, knocking on door. Honestly, I don't even remember how the, the Golden Girls music went. I don't either. That's the reason. Why oh I no, it's like uh, the Friends something something. Man, how does it go? Are you, are you sure you're not confusing that with uh, not Jim Cotta? What's that movie? What friends for eternity? Oh, no, um, no. The, the Golden Girls theme My, is about Miami, friends. My, Miami connection. Yes, the Golden Girls theme song is about friendship. I'm almost positive. Like friends for eternity. Exactly. It's basically the same song. Let's see. Yeah, the Golden Girls theme. You remember the Golden Girls theme? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Thank you oh, thank you for being a friend. I knew it. I knew it was something like that. Look at B. Arthur. She just means business. Apparently, everybody hated B. Arthur on that show. 
I definitely remember reading about how uh, what's her name who played the. Uh, I, I'm, my brain is a little fried from the episode. Betty White? Yeah, Betty White. Apparently her, uh, she didn't get along with the... With the, the Arthur. The Arthur at all. What was the name of the character featured as the girl's cook? What? Oh, as the girl's apostrophe cook oh, in man. just one episode. These are very specific. Oh, what's the title of the Golden Girls' golden spinoff? What? This isn't even right. The Golden Palace. I never heard of that. I have no I idea. I assumed it would be Empty Nest, but no, it's the Golden Palace. Wait, so there was more than one spinoff? I guess so. Wow. Anyway, yeah, this it's mostly trivia, but thank you. That was very right. nice of you yeah. to do. I I don't know how much of this is gonna stay on the episode. No, it, Jen, Jen really just wanted me to to drop <laughs> the Golden Girls on you and see your reaction. Yeah, this is funny. I just I'm just blown away that this and, was in Target. Yeah, so there's actually did you mention to her that I talked about Golden Girls, or did she hear it? No, somewhere. I, so at first it was. Bye, everybody. Golden Girls segment I, I is over. You win.